No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. It's the Friday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. How are we all? Good to see you. Hope you've had a lovely week, because I certainly have, as always, so much to get through. You know the spiel, so little time. We've got many axes to grind tonight. Many, many moss-covered rocks to unearth, ladies and gentlemen, and overturn. We're going tonight, we're going to have a little poke around in the mushroom patch. See what we can find. Because there are some very interesting things growing down there beneath our feet. <laughs> and so we must investigate tonight on the Daily Boogie program. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you know where to do it. You know where it is. Uh, if you want to download the podcast, you know where to get that. If you'd like to leave a tip, you'd know how to do it. And if you can't figure it out, get the fuck out. If you're in here right now saying, but I want to I wanna follow you on Twitter, but I don't know where you are. Get out now. Leave. Because <laughs> we can't be going back to that. You've got so much to catch up on already if you've only just arrived. But we'll do our best to speed you along. We have the express option available tonight. Uh, hope you've had a good week. I had a good week. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we were cleaning out clutter in the house. Going through a couple of all old cupboards that haven't been opened in probably 15 years. Just throwing stuff out, getting rid of it all. It's very refreshing. It's like shedding skin. It's like shedding skin when you're when you're an older uh, and responsible person. Shedding skin when you're younger might be like jumping out of a plane to you. I don't know. But it was very liberating, shedding all of this stuff. Not a bad week for the Iceman. Now, in the spirit of shedding things, in the spirit of culling, in the spirit of cleaning out the clutter, I propose to you tonight, I want you to be open-minded tonight for this show. I propose that you clear out a little bit of clutter that you have out there in the audience in your bigotry cupboard, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to let go of some of these long-held biases and phobias that you've been carrying around like an albatross around your neck, like your burden. I want you to shed those tonight. I want you to shed your skin. I want you to be liberated, okay? Because tonight's show is all about liberation and feeling good and doing what's right. And I know you want to come along for the journey. So please, if you would, strap in or strap on, whatever you prefer, whatever you're most comfortable with, as we kick off tonight's show. Um, this is a fantastic story. This story fills me with um, a sense of contentment, excitement for the future, unity, all the diversities. I have all of the inclusions within me right now as we look upon this story. This is a, um, a, a just a fantastic, <laughs> this is just a fantastic microcosm of 2022. 2022 in a nutshell. Hi, I'm 2022 and I'm trying to get out of my nutshell. This video is from 
Who's it from? Let's have a look. It's from Today. The Today Show in the United States. Winning TV with a diamond. DLive.tv slash winning TV. Some slippery Dom Lemons for the tip jar. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated. Winning TV on practically every night. <laughs> with Victor Von Schroom, Kitty, Maureen gets on there. Got the panel on the weekends. Saturdays, Sundays. I don't know. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Every damn day. Winning TV. Uh, this video is from the Today Show in the United States, and it is entitled Transgender Swimmer Faces Backlash Amid Successful Season. Now, if you've been around this these here parts, partner, for any stretch of time, you'll know that we love a good backlash outrage story. It's it's something I sniff out like, like a truffle pig. <laughs> I can't help it. Every time there is the beginning of an outrage, every time every time there is a group of people in whatever space it is, either real life or social media, collecting with one another to express how outraged they are, then it is us, you know, the brave knights of Boogistan who surround them and giggle late at night. <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see what he said? Fuck, I don't know. He's really getting outraged by this. And of course, you know, we don't, we don't, um, we're not mocking them. We're mocking the behavior, of course, because the behavior of the outraged is very predictable. It's very programmable. Um, you know, good PR, good PR firms who are working for very, very rich companies have already figured out how to monetize your outrage. You know, you know, they get exposure now by targeting things at the people they, uh, who don't like them, right? You know, for example, like I remember last year, there was some little university group, a little activist group at some... <laughs> how how easy is this to describe? A little activist group at some university. Could literally be fucking anywhere, right? But it was in the United States, some little activist group at some university. They're a dime a dozen. Cheap as fucking chips. They're everywhere. Uh, they pulled a little stunt where they had... I don't know, they... They made like little tombstones for aborted fetuses at this like Christian part of the university or something, right? And I remember seeing that video getting spread around, like, you know, Daily Caller, Daily Wire, the usuals, you know, the usual ones, which is fine, of course. And it's like, oh my God, everybody point at this and say how terrible it is. And I get that you would be offended by something like that. It's not something I would do. I'm not offended by it, but... It's not something that I would do, right? There's a difference. And um, it, it, it's obvious with things like that, that they're trolling you. <laughs> they're trolling you so you will spread their video of them trolling you. That's, that's just how they troll. Now, you might troll different ways with like memes or supercuts or whatever, and that's fine, but that's how they troll. <laughs> You know, they strip down to a gimp suit, cover themselves in fake blood and writhe around on the floor doing baby cow noises. And that's just the way they do it. Say, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, obviously, you decide your own level of involvement. You decide your own form of protest. Absolutely fine by everyone. But, you know, a few years ago, they figured out, hey, we can make money off the other people not liking us. Right? I'm not saying that this has anything to do with that. But this is all about empowerment 
and equality. And that's what we love here on the show, ladies and gentlemen, here on Team YouTube with our good friend Suze. I like to call her Suze. Head of YouTube, strong woman, empowered woman, successful, intelligent, and all the other bullshit. All of those things. Here on Team YouTube, we believe in equality for all. Um, you know, don't love hate, love love, basically, is the message we push here. So when I saw this story, I was very excited and very positive for the future. Let's take a little look, shall we? This morning, UPenn swimmer Leah Thomas with a sea of support you go, as she prepares for this weekend's tri-school meet. Mm -hmm. The transgender athlete, backed by Penn Athletics, mm. saying Thursday that Thomas has met or exceeded all NCAA protocols cool. for a transgender female student athlete mm -hmm. to compete for a women's team. Okay, so we've, we've met the protocols, ladies and gentlemen. Therefore, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> Everything is cool. Dude, nothing is fucked. Nothing is fucked, dude. My tidy whities For a transgender female student athlete to compete for a women's team. Now, if again, if you've been listening to this show for any stretch of time, this won't surprise you one bit. If you're new here, I want to tell you God's honest truth, hand on heart. I want more transgender athletes in women's sport. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm not being ironic. This is something I want, especially if they're faster, stronger, more powerful, <laughs> because it will make women's sport more entertaining, will it not? Right? And the bonus is not only will it make women's sport more entertaining, if we can get, you know, faster, lower times, break some records. Right. What if they started dunking in women's basketball? Fucking hear me out, you bigots out there. Because we are surrounded, ladies and gentlemen, here at Team YouTube. It's myself and Suze and a couple of others, Ethan Klein. There's a few of us just kind of holding down the fort here. And we're trying to stop the evil trolls of Niederheim from coming over the horizon and laying waste to us with their memory. We cannot have it. So, of course, here we are defending equality. That's the main reason. The other reason is, of course, women's sport, if they can get a little quicker, if the female basketballers would start dunking. Imagine if you were watching a women's basketball game and someone dunked and tore the ring down like fucking Shaquille O'Neal. Imagine if you saw that. Imagine how off your tits you would be to see something like that. I want to see it. For me, nothing says equality, equality like brave transgender women who are far more oppressed than cisgendered women. Let's be honest here. The, st the stats don't lie, ladies and gentlemen. How inspiring would it be for everyone if, you know, women's so-called women's sport... I'm not even comfortable saying the word woman. I'm not. Let's say, instead of women's sport, let's say people identifying as female sports from now on because I think just to say women's sport might be a little problematic okay we're working on progress here on the show tonight I told you it's all about what What did I say it was about I don't know. What, what bullshit did I fucking tell you at the start I don't even remember I really need to start taking notes for this fucking thing so that's 
That's what we're heading towards. So let's get rid of women's sport. Let's call it people who identify as female sports because otherwise we're not being very fucking inclusive, are we? And the more inclusivity, the more transgendered athletes we get into cisgendered women's sports, you know, the, the better the better the competition. Competition makes everyone better. And if you have to compete with someone who was, you know, perhaps born of a different identity, then good luck to you. You're going to get really good. <laughs> if you have to compete against somebody who's stronger, taller, faster <laughs> than you are, then you're going to get so good at it. It's going to be amazing for your career if you keep coming second. Trust me. We're all about equality. Welcomed by the Ivy League. Ivy League. Reaffirming yep. its commitment Thursday to... The Ivy League, by the way, the best of the best. Only the best and brightest get to attend Ivy League. And, you know, the evidence of that is right here. Have a look. Provide an inclusive environment for all student athletes yep. and condemning transphobia and discrimination in any form. Okay, so the Ivy League is condemning transphobia and discrimination in any form. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting because of this, ladies and gentlemen, which which I might add, I'm only aware of this article because Andrew Bogut, the former NBA player, championship winner, Australian uh, centre for the Golden State Warriors when they won the championship, I don't know how long ago, a while ago, who now refers to himself as a washed-up former athlete, by the way. That guy. He tweeted this out. <laughs> Bogut, is, Bogut has Chad energy. I think that, you know, permeates through his, his Twitter account because he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. He's clearly just over this shit. He's got enough fuck you money where he's like, oh, well, whatever, who gives a fuck, you know? Life goes on. So he tweeted this out with a couple of popcorn emojis. <laughs> Exclusive. We're uncomfortable in our own locker room. Leah Thomas's UPenn teammate tells how the trans swimmer doesn't always cover up her male genitals when changing. And their concerns go ignored by their coach. Well, the coach couldn't. What could the coach possibly say? This coach is obviously a smart gentleman because he would know, or maybe she would know, let's not assume gender. You see, first lesson learned of the night, ladies and gentlemen. It's a minefield, this stuff. It really is. You never know who you're going to offend. But the coach is smart enough to recognise that if they say anything, <laughs> they will be fired. <laughs> It doesn't even matter if it if they try to say a positive thing. That's even worse, we've discovered throughout the years. Let's just say the coach comes out and says, you know, I think it's wonderful um, that all of our athletes can feel so comfortable with one another in the locker room because it creates a good environment. That would be enough to get some kind of fucking petition started. This person doesn't care about genitals in the changing room. And that would be enough. They'd be like, "It's I'm sorry, you're too much hassle. We've got to let you go. Same if he tried to, or they tried to pander to the other side of the argument. Wouldn't matter. There would be some kind of outrage campaign, which like, like I said, we sniff out like truffle pigs here on this show. 
get right in there amongst it, hopefully agitate it, inflame it if we can, if possible. Just adding our little comments here and there. Are you going to take that from them? <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, my God, what bigots? I mean, clearly we're dealing with fucking bigots here in this situation. The headline again, we're uncomfortable in our own locker room. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, female teammate of transgender athlete. Do you think it's your locker room? (laughs) Wow, sounds like white privilege to me. It is a swimming team, so I think we can assume that. We can assume that. It is a swim team. If it was track and field, yeah, I can mix it up. But swimming tends to be, swimming is the summer sport, as is hockey is the winter sport for white people. (laughs) It's really only a white people thing. Other peoples around the globe are kind of like, what are they swimming for? We have boats. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's a weird thing white people do. So clearly, this privileged, white, cisgendered female is uncomfortable in the locker room, which she assumes belongs to her, I, a.k.a. our locker room. It's not yours. It's for everyone. It's, an, it's a place of inclusivity. We need to remember that. So this bigot is uncomfortable with seeing, you know, a transgender person in their natural state in the locker room I propose to you that we ban cisgendered women from female locker rooms from now on. Because clearly, clearly, clearly the only way forward is to ban cisgendered women from the female locker rooms because their presence in the female locker room makes the trans athletes uncomfortable. So fuck them off, get them out of there. And no, I'm not joking. I'm not being ironic. We need to let this thing go as far as it possibly can. We need to, this is something that you need to be open on progress for. You should want to see women's sport being dominated by trans athletes. I want to see that. Then and only then will we get to a stage where people may pause for a moment and go, huh. And that might be all that you need. That might be the spark that starts the fire. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. The fire has started. One of Leah Thomas's teammates tells DailyMail.com they feel uncomfortable sharing a locker room with the transgender UPenn swimmer. Fucking bigots, mate. Sharing a locker room with a transgender swimmer, Leah Thomas, has become a point of contention for some of her University of Pennsylvania teammates who feel uncomfortable changing in the private space with someone undergoing gender transition. I'm telling you, transphobia, ladies and gentlemen, will not be tolerated. How dare you feel uncomfortable? Do you feel in charge? Check yourself before you wreck yourself, ladies. 
First of all, it's not your change room. Second of all, you have no right to feel uncomfortable seeing a penis. Because what these fucking... And I'm going to be serious here for a minute. You know, we like... We like to tell a couple of jokes here on the show. We like to relax and have a laugh, have a drink, have a little smoke, whatever we do here on the show. We like to do these things. But I'm going to be deadly serious with you right now. I'm not lying to you right now. This comes straight from the heart. Women are so bigoted. Women need to understand that just because this athlete's vagina is a penis, that does not mean it's different to anyone else's vagina. Thank you very much. Incidentally, this morning, I'm not on the mimosas this morning because I was figuring out the last couple of shows. The mimosas, mimosas are fun while you're doing them. But afterwards, you feel terrible. It's like... It's like gambling or masturbating to tranny porn. <laughs> it's fun while you're doing it, but then afterwards you're like, oh, what'd I do that for? <laughs> so I have to give the mimosas away. So this morning we are on the Vodka Red Bulls, and I think everything is going quite well. But I am about to transition to a bourbon and coke. Let's get back to these bigots. Let's sort this shit out. Because, again, ladies and gentlemen, transphobia and discrimination will not be tolerated in any form from the Ivy League. So we've got to make an example of these women who think that just because a vagina looks like a penis and is a penis, that it's somehow not a vagina. We need to sort this. We need to sort these people out. We need to educate them out of their transphobic tendencies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, this is the this is the direct quote from one of the teammates in the swimming team, and I'm not I'm not adding anything. I am just reporting what somebody else has said, ladies and gentlemen. No, no other comment need go with it. Quote, it's definitely awkward because Leah still has male body parts and is still attracted to women. <laughs> and look, if you're outraged by this, I don't begrudge you. I understand why you would be outraged. It definitely makes sense that you would be outraged. But any kind of any kind of optimism was sucked from my soul <laughs> years ago <laughs> any kind of hope for the future that i have personally has been long broken and torn up into shreds and pissed on and set on fire it's done it's long gone it's in the ashes of history now my sense of hope for the future so it doesn't out you have to understand just because I'm not outraged doesn't mean I don't understand why you're not outraged, but I think it's hilarious. And the thought of, you know, one athlete being in a room, in the locker, I mean, it would have been a Porky's movie back in the 80s, right? <laughs> the thought of one athlete, um, you know, in the locker room with 
all of the cisgendered naked female athletes kind of walking around with a big erection under a towel or something. It's just fucking hilarious to me. And, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I understand why you would be outraged by that. But again, I see a Porky's movie coming to life. And for me, it's a glorious day. Because not only are Porky's movies coming to life, we're also promoting inclusivity and equality and women's sport is finally going to be good. So what what possible reason could you have for being against this? I ask you, you fucking transphobic bigots in the chat. How could you possibly be against this? NNN. <laughs> NNN with a bit of locker room banter. Hey, don't act like you're not impressed. I don't know why the athlete sounds like that. That's that's just the um, standard operating procedure impression for, you know, <laughs> other identifying athlete in female changing room, isn't it? I think everyone does the same voice. Anyone who streams and does kind of, you know, social topics or newsy kind of podcast like this one is. They all do the same voice when they're describing an other identifying athlete in a cisgendered female. It's so hard to say the, say the stuff they want us to say. It is. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying, though, so I can blend in. <laughs> yeah, chase those bigots out of town. Fuck them. <laughs> That'll be me. I'm that character in The Simpsons when the whole town wants to tear someone apart and they're like, who keeps saying that? It was him. Get him, fellas. <laughs> That's Boogie Bumper. In case you want to know a little bit more about me. Oh, I love this story so much. Leah has told her teammates she dates women, so... <laughs> so I want you to picture 80s, 80s Porky's movie fucking kind of setting where one athlete is walking around in the cisgendered female athlete's changing room with a big erection walking around telling the teammates, hey, you know I date women, right? (laughs) (laughs) So... And we've, we've come across yet another pro, okay? Yet another reason for you to support this. One, it's going to make female sport more interesting. It's going to be better. They're going to be faster and stronger and better. So it's going to be watchable. (laughs) Okay. Number two, equality. It's good for equality. Because let's get everyone out on the same level playing field. No privilege out here when you're being tackled to the ground by someone twice your size and muscle mass. (laughs) There ain't no privilege on the football field, baby. So let's get that happening. There ain't no privilege in the swimming pool either. Let's get that going. (laughs) We also have, because it reminds us of an 80s Porky's movie, how could you possibly be against that? And I'm also going to say, I think that this athlete is probably the biggest Chad of all time. This is the new Chad behaviour infiltrating the space where only women are and they also happen to be naked in there right 
now freely walking around the space, the only space where there's groups of women naked showering at the same time, the locker room, and just kind of walking around in there with the big erection. <laughs> Winning TV with a diamond, breaking. Trans athlete impregnates entire team. Now, that come on now. Come on now. How do you know the trans athlete can't have a baby? <laughs> Don't be a bigot. Walking around with the erection, <laughs> sidling up to the teammates, showering next to them even. <laughs> you know I date women, you know, right? I, I think this is the greatest Chad who has ever fucking lived. There is no reason for you to be against this story. There's no reason for you to be against trans athletes in sports. There isn't. It's all positives. It's all green ticks. She stated that team members have raised concerns with their coach, trying to get Thomas ousted from the female locker room, but got nowhere. Multiple swimmers have raised it multiple different times, the UPenn swimmer said, but we were basically told that we could not ostracize Leah by not having her in the locker room, and there's nothing we can do about it. Thanks, coach. <laughs> Thanks, coach. Thanks for being receptive, coach. Appreciate it, coach. That we basically have to roll over and accept it or listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we're ahead of the curve here on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Or we have to accept that we cannot use our own locker room. <laughs> That's right. Let's kick the cisgendered females out of the women's locker room, please. <laughs> hey? let's, let's kick out the female athletes out of the women's locker room because they're making it problematic for the trans you not be in love with this story it's really upsetting because Leah doesn't seem to care how it makes anyone else feel it's getting very bitchy out there very salty isn't it very salty they're getting to the stage of now airing dirty laundry or or smelly jock straps out there quote it's really upsetting because Leah doesn't seem to care how it makes anyone else feel this woman continued the 35 of us are just supposed to accept being uncomfortable in our own space. Yes, that's right. That's right. You know why? Here's the thing, sweetheart. Because for years and years and years, we've been told that we need to be made to feel uncomfortable in order to address whatever fucking phobia it is. Transphobia, homophobia, racism. See, the only cure to get white people to understand just how oppressive they are is they need to be made to feel uncomfortable. Remember, was it Mark Price, the NBA coach, who said that? You know, if we're, if white people feel uncomfortable, or was it, no, it was the fucking Spurs coach, wasn't it? Oh, that guy. I mean, great coach. I hate him because I'm a Houston Rockets fan, obviously. And, you know, the Spurs have fucking owned us for two decades. Fuck the Spurs, right? But I, you know, I can't even remember his name. God, it's got—he's got a big Eastern European name. 
I think it was him that came out and said, you know, if we can make white people feel uncomfortable about racism, then that's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's what we've been told, right? Press one in the chat if you've heard at any time over the last 10 years that white people feeling, you know, uncomfortable about race is a good thing. One in the chat if you've heard that. Two in the chat if you haven't. Let's see what the audience says tonight. Popovich, thank you very much, Atomic Shaman. Greg Popovich. It's not that I didn't remember his name, it's that I suppress all all thoughts about the San Antonio Spurs as often as possible. Seeing a lot of ones here, incidentally, if you're listening to the podcast. Pretty much all ones. Pretty much all ones out there. So everyone's heard it, how how good it is for you to feel uncomfortable. You need to feel uncomfortable in your space. Oh, look at this. Yeti in the chat. Holy shit, Boogie, you're a Rockets fan. Hell yeah, let's go Clutch City. Fire Slammer Jammer, motherfucker. Let's go. I still have the Hakeem Olajuwon fucking Rockets, um, you know, I guess it's a replica singlet from the, I think it's the 90, it's the 1993 one. Remember the last year before they changed to that blue one? So I've got the one that's still orange and fucking yellow, a larger one. I reckon I wore that every time. Every time I played basketball when I was a kid, I played for a couple of years. Not to any great ability, mind you. I was a pretty shitty player, (laughs) obviously. Bit too, bit too gangly for it. Bit too much, you know, arms and legs. Not graceful at all. Uh, I'm very clumsy, actually. So I have to be good. I'm good at clumsy sports, not technical ones like basketball. But every time I played basketball, the Hakeem Olajuwon shirt went on, mate. Favorite player, the dream. Hakeem, the dream. Good fucking times. Long fucking time ago, mate. <laughs> I think I was like nine years old when the Rockets won the last championship. <laughs> it's a long fucking time ago. No, it wasn't that. Was it that long ago? No, it would have been. I would have been 15 or something like that. I don't know. Around that age. I wasn't even old enough. I wasn't even old enough to get drunk or pussy yet at that point. So, so it was completely wasted. Oh, God, where were we? Yes, you're all bigots because you've heard over the last 10 years at some point, someone has told you it's very good for you to feel uncomfortable. Well, I put it to you. Privileged white women who are in the swim team, you know, the Ivy League has said that they will not tolerate transphobia or discrimination in any form. Okay, that's any form. (coughs) Follow Boogie Clumsy Sports Bowling. Actually, I was a swimmer. (laughs) I did swimming for like six years, got to state. I was a decent swimmer. Pretty good. Not good enough to like, you know, do Olympics or anything like that. Nowhere near good enough. But good enough to go to state and rep the state. So that was good. But that was, again, a long fucking time ago. And I don't watch swimming anymore because I've seen my fill of it. Swimming only... Only people who did swimming as a sport can talk to other swimmers about what it's like to do the sport because there really is no other sport like it. It's like 
it's a very solitary sport. You're just on your own with your thoughts, like for hours and hours and hours, and you're just staring at the bottom of the pool for hours and hours and hours. So I used to train like five days a week, four days during the week, and it would be like before school and sometimes after school. So, you know, like years of getting up at like five in the morning to go and get ready, train, then go to school, then come home, do homework. You know, a couple of nights a week, there was like trials. So it'd be like Monday night, Friday night. I don't know what nights they were now. It was definitely Monday night and then every now and then a different night. So, and then you'd be back down at the pool again at like six o'clock that night and you probably wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock at night. Then up in the morning the next day at 5 a.m., you know, do it again. It's a pretty fucking, it's a really hard sport to be good at. So I kind of like all jokes aside, right? Not that I've been joking, clearly. I mean, we really believe in this stuff, but obviously. Suze, if you're listening. <laughs> but all jokes aside, I can't imagine what it would be like to, you know, get to the stage where you're on, you might even have a scholarship for, you know, a college swim team or something. And that's a pretty, you're a pretty fucking good swimmer if you can get that far, right? And, you know, to be training to doing to, to having all of that commitment. And I didn't, I didn't even have that much commitment because I got to like my like kind of late teenage years and by that stage, I didn't want to swim anymore. I was already smoking, <laughs> drinking, playing guitar and shit. Like by that stage, I just wanted to rock and roll, right? So I was fucking done with the sports. I'm out of there. Done. Not going to be any good at this shit anyway, so I'm fucking out. Gone. So I, could, I didn't even have the commitment to get to like the age of 20, 21, 22, whatever the college athletes are, and still be doing it. Fuck no. Those are the best years of your life and you're wasting them on your own staring at the bottom of a fucking pool, right? So whatever your priorities are. So they go through all of that sacrifice all through their childhood. They miss out on stuff, sacrificing before school, after school, trials, traveling, and then get to the stage where here they are. Here I am. Here's my moment. I'm ready to take my place amongst the best in this in this sport, and I'm going to give it everything I've got. And then someone comes along. Someone saunters up to you in the change room with an erection and says, "Hey, you know I date women," <laughs> and goes out there and smashes all of your records. <laughs> I love it. See, the great irony of this is they say it's the bigots who are against it, don't they? But if you ge- if you were genuinely a sexist bigot who hated women, you would love transgender athletes playing the sport. You would. Because you would love the fact that men are beating women again. But that's you would be a bigot, though, if you had that view, because clearly it's not men versus women. It's women versus women. Again, this is why I want to drop the label women. It makes me uncomfortable here on Team YouTube. I want to drop the woman label and call it female identifying persons locker room. So in the female identifying persons locker room, just because someone's vagina is a penis doesn't mean you're allowed to be uncomfortable about it. And if someone's vagina, which is a penis, gets hard in the locker room, <laughs> and the person, <laughs> the person, the identifying person who is attached 
to the vagina, which is a penis that is getting hard in the locker room. With a gypsy of diamonds donated a diamond. Imagine Michelle Phelps. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. So if the person who identifies as a female with the vagina that is a penis comes up to you in the locker room and the vagina that is a penis is getting hard whilst the person identifying is looking at your vagina. (laughs) 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 Then Then you need to... If you feel uncomfortable with that, <laughs> then you very much need to look inside yourself and, you know, perhaps work on yourself a little bit and figure out why are you such a bigot? <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. I tell you what. Where do you want to go? Press one if you want a little white pill. Press two if you want to continue going down the rabbit hole. It's up to you. Press one if you want. We, we'll still go down the rabbit hole after the white pill, but let me know if do you want a little white pill before we go down the rabbit hole? Maybe you'll feel better about it. I don't know. Or do you just want to rip the band-aid off and go straight in, balls out? Go straight in, balls out, and end up tits up. What do you want to do? One or two? Number one or number two? Number one, number two. Well, the twos are winning. Rip it off. Oh, okay. Look. All right. I'm going to pencil in number two, but... Let me give you, I'm going to give you one chance to change your mind. And it'll be up to you whether or not. So you're all going to get another chance to vote because it probably wasn't fair. What if I told you that there is a shark attack involved in number one? Where do we go now? Yes, if you are a... um, If you are a psychology student, you will notice that this show is a constant testing and prodding of the psychological stability of my audience. (laughs) Because why not? See, a few few of the twos have slipped to ones. A few of the twos have slipped to ones. We're doing one. My favourite part about the little votes that we do is knowing that whatever you say doesn't matter. I'm just going to do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Boogie Stand. Please park within the lines and return your cart or you will be executed. Welcome to Boogie Stand. On the upside, you do get to smoke whilst you are walking around the shopping mall. Yep. Every employee in the great kingdom of Boogistan understands that you have no right to stop someone from smoking in your store and putting the cigarette out on the floor. That's what we allow. Because here in Boogistan, there is a rule. Every single floor that's indoors must be covered in sawdust. (laughs) So people, like an abattoir. So you can kind of stub your cigarette out and bit like kitty litter for humans kids spill things see 
if all the floors were covered with, uh, you know, shavings or filings, then no, no old ladies would slip over in the mall because any liquid would be instantly soaked up by the sawdust, right? And someone just comes along and throws a little more sawdust. You rake up the cigarette butts at the end of the day, you're good. Sawdust and peanut shells in the chat, exactly. Grim, I roll my own ciggy. So do I. Port Royal. I'm a Port Royal man. Port Royal original. All right, let's do this. Uh, I haven't watched this clip yet, but this is an 11-year-old Australian that was attacked by a shark. Kids living around Sydney beaches learn early on to look out for one another and for sharks. (laughs) You think you had a tough childhood, do you? (laughs) I've been seeing a lot of criticism lately on the internet, and, you know, rightly so in many cases. I've been seeing a lot of criticism lately. People on the internet saying, oh, these fucking Australians, they're doing crazy shit. They're locking down. It's a police state. There's tyranny. Why the... I think it was Mookie the other day. It was like, why the fuck are you even alive? Something like that. I'm like, oh, fair enough. (laughs) I just laughed because that's Mookie. Oh, hang on a moment. Just one moment. This is the perfect fucking song for this, by the way. Some might say that I'm a loner. But I just call it being free. That's right. If you're a young child in Sydney and you go to the beach regularly, then you are told from the age of five, from the age of five, there's no like magical childhood for you. There's no innocent childhood. No, you're taught every spider can kill you. Don't go and play in the long grass because, like, seven out of the world's top ten deadly snakes are Australian breeds, right? And, I mean, like, the the killer kinds of snakes. So don't play down there. And if you go to the beach with your family, do be careful, young Timmy. Do be careful, young Sophie. Look out if you see a shark fin (laughs) because the sharks are out there. What's a shark, Daddy? Oh, a shark is a big prehistoric animal that stalks the ocean hunting. They don't even stop moving when they sleep. (laughs) They have... How many rows of teeth do sharks have? Like six or seven? They have six or seven rows of teeth and they sleep while they're moving. (laughs) Good luck out there, kid. That's why Australians are such uh, such good swimmers, you see, because they just imagine that they're at the beach. I've got to get back before the fucking shark kills me. <laughs> so from a young age, you're taught to look out for the snakes, look out for the spiders and look out for the sharks. Kids living around Sydney beaches learn early on to look out for one another and for sharks. That proved true when something clamped onto the foot of an 11-year-old swimmer in Warrywood. A shark clamped onto the foot of an 11-year-old. 11 years old. Now, you wait till you see how this kid reacts to it. (laughs) There's no mate quite like a best mate. We do everything together. But near the Warrywood blowhole on Sunday, Jack Shackle and Frank Fabbleton never thought that... That's it. You know what? 
that's that's a couple of kids there. I love this story. And what were their names? Their names sound like a Huckleberry Finn story. <laughs> it's like Jack Shackleton and Hollywood blowhole on Sunday. Is Jack it? Shackle and Frank Hamilton. Jack Shackle and Frank Hamilton. <laughs> that that's a couple of that's a couple of mates who are going to be best mates for the rest of their lives. My best mate today, I'm 39 years old, right? How many of you can say this? My best mate and I have been best mates since we were five years old, and we're still best mates to this day. And we're both now 39. (laughs) Since five years old. It's longer, it's far longer than I've known even my fucking wife. Greeno and myself know each other better than our wives know us. kind of creepy when you think about it. Isn't it? It's creepy to know this one person on earth is your your best other person, right? Your number one other person for that long, for that stretch of time. It's weird to think about since you were five years old. Because, you know, it was, it was years and years, decades later that I got married and it's like, you've got a lot of fucking catching up to do, sweetheart. <laughs> He's going to be getting jokes that I'm making. You're not even going to understand what we're talking about. But it wasn't like that at all. She loved him instantly. They loved each other instantly. The first time they met, my then girlfriend and my best mate, they got on like a fucking house on fire. House on fire. And they have been ever since. So it was perfect. It was meant to be. So these two guys... 11 years old, best mates, they've gone through a shark attack together. This is such a white pill, this story, because this is a bromance in the future waiting to happen. History is just future that hasn't happened yet. Never thought they'd be doing this. I just jumped in. I just felt something like latch onto my foot. It almost felt like it was about to rip my foot off. Australian 11-year-olds will save the fucking world. (laughs) Yeah, because it was pretty weird. I was just in there having a little bit of a swim. I was just in there fucking splashing around, and then I felt this thing, and it was kind of felt like it was trying to rip my foot off. Yes, mate, it was a shark! (laughs) Oh, you know, so I kind of kicked at it a little bit. It was pretty fucking annoying, eh? And it hurt a bit. Hurt a bit. A shark latched onto his foot and he's like, yeah, it kind of felt like it was trying to rip me foot off, eh? <laughs> That's what they do, mate. He's like, well, I got these cool crutches out of it. Have you ever been on crutches? Press one in the chat if you've ever had to use crutches. I had to use crutches once when I fucked up my ankle. Uh, it was at a basketball game, actually. One of those things landed awkwardly, fucking foot snapped to the right, whole body weight, and then someone felt like stepped on my ankle while it was sideways, and it just blew up. As soon as I took my fucking boot off, man, it just blew up. <laughs> it's like, all right, got to go to the doctor then, I guess. Had to had to have crutches for like a week. It wasn't broken, it was just fucked up. Like there was, you know, broken veins and shit in there. Ugh. It was like a pillow. Yeah, we got a lot of ones. Everyone's been on crutches at least once. And at first you're like, oh my God, my foot hurts. But then 
<laughs> now I'm going to follow up the, that question with this question. Press one in the chat if you had crutches when you're a kid, and press one in the chat if after a while you thought they were kind of cool. <laughs> Wasn't it kind of cool to be on crutches when you're a kid? Because you kind of felt like a pirate. <laughs> Didn't you? Didn't you? I know you did. I know you fucking did, because I know you. I know my audience. There's a reason that we're all here together in this moment. The crutches were kind of fun, weren't they? And you would do things like, you know, kind of push them out as far as you possibly could and, like... You know, try to jump off them and shit. You know, you would use them to annoy your friends. Like you would pick up your crutch and kind of like. One of my favorite things to do was put the crutch like to the cheek of the person when they're looking in the other direction, and then call their name. Right? You know, you hold. They're looking left, and you put the crutch just to their right cheek. But you're like a meter away because of the crutches are so long. And you're like, hey, Jono. And they turn and go, yeah. And then go smack straight into the crutch. <laughs> Food comes out of their mouth. They drop their cigarette, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, fucking idiot. <laughs> Can't touch me. I'm injured. That's the other thing, too. When you're in crutches, all of the girls want to come over to you and say, how do you feel? Are you feeling okay? How's your ankle? Oh. I never broke a bone. I broke my nose, but that doesn't count as a bone. So I never broke an ankle. So I never got the experience of having the, you know, the high school girls signing my my cast. I never got that. I was bandages only. And it's like you can't sign a bandage. It's going in the bin tonight. <laughs> What's the point of that? <laughs> but if you're on crutches, they'll all come over and go, "Oh, are you okay? Oh, your best mate will carry your school books around for you." Oh, man, you know, if I have my bag on when I'm using the crutches, it's a bit unbalanced. And No, don't worry, bro. I'll carry your books. Sweet. Thanks, bro. You can milk that shit. You get to put your feet up on a little pillow when you're watching TV. The family has to get you stuff because it's too much effort to get up with the crutches. Being on crutches is fucking amazing when you're a kid. So this 11-year-old is living the pimp life for an 11-year-old, right? This 11-year-old got attacked by a shark. A shark wrapped itself, it wrapped its mouth, its jaws around his foot. He was, he, his reaction was, man, it feels like someone's ripping me fucking foot off, eh? And out of it, he gets a cool story. He gets a best mate for life and he gets crutches and he gets to enjoy all that. He gets to enjoy all of that. So, you know, don't feel sorry for this kid. Feel sorry you're not this kid. In an underwater tunnel, that's one through dozens. Like, sure, we here in Australia, sure, we let ourselves down in many ways. We kick tennis players out because they aren't vaccinated, for example. We we like to lock people in quarantine camps to keep the community safe. We give the government unprecedented powers to track our movements and our communications online. We do all that stuff. But Australian chattism, which brings us right back all the way back to the original point, which was probably like 20 minutes ago now, brings us all the way back to the original point. A lot of people like to put shit on Australia, but Australia has chad energy in different ways. We look to the (laughs) 11-year-olds. 
The 11-year-olds in Australia are the chads. Are your 11-year-olds chads? Or are they worried about what gender they are? Sure, daddy's got their guns, but your little son or daughter, your little bundle of joy, is wondering whether or not they should cut their dick off. Our 11-year-olds are fighting off sharks. I like our chances in the future. (laughs) I like our chances. I do. You see, because they're experiencing the tyranny now. So fighting off sharks is just like, ah, whatever. Just another day at the office. By comparison, talking about, you know, "Mm, am I a spirit animal? That's that's a completely different topic entirely. Times before. I just heard all the screaming, so I thought he was pretending to be Gollum from Lord of the Rings. I thought his mate's getting attacked by a shark. <laughs> and he says, I thought he was pretending to be Gollum from Lord on the Rigs. So it gets even worse, the equation. Because now it's evident that our 11-year-old nerds are fighting off sharks. <laughs> our 11-year-old Lord of the Rings fans are fighting off fucking sharks. What hope do you have? <laughs> Those emus will rule the day. <laughs> will rule the day. <laughs> you can't you can't read and say at the same time. <laughs> In the chat, these kids rule. They will rule. They will take over. He's, he's got a shark latched onto his leg and his mate's like, yeah, I thought he was just pretending to be Gollum. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> Why Gollum? Yeah, does anyone remember that scene in Lord of the Rings where Gollum's attacked by a shark? <laughs> These kids are geniuses. I love them. Love this. And then I looked over and he, and he was like, something bit me, something bit me. I was like, this is actually real. And I was just like, run, run Frank, one. get out of the water quick before I get to you too. <laughs> oh, bro, bro. Bro. What a bro moment. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? So Frank fucking Foofer or whatever his name is and Jimmy Strackhorn, I forget their names. They sound, you know, appropriate. Uh, Fackin' Foofer and Strackhorn here. <laughs> so Fackin' Foofer says, oh, it's a shackle. It's shackle. He's the victim. Okay. I forget his I forget his friend's name. Sorry, mate. It was a complicated name to remember. It wasn't like Joe Smith. It was a it was a Harry Potter name, if I've ever heard one, to be honest. Are you the are you the top student in Huffington? Frank and Fufa. <laughs> Winning TV with a diamond. <laughs> Winning TV with a diamond. At least the shark bite didn't bite his precious off. Yes. Frank and Fufa, get to Slytherin immediately. So, so at first he thought he was pretending to be Jake Dumbledore. <laughs> Shit. So at first, 
he thought his friend was pretending to be Gollum from Lord of the Rings. But then this kid here, this the guy with the shark attached to his ankle, mind you, yells out to his friend, get out of here or he'll get you too. Fucking. What a fucking superstar this kid is. What an out-and-out out superstar. A hero. Heroes don't always wear capes. Sometimes they wear fucking sharks, mate. <laughs> Sometimes they wear sharks around their ankles like work boots. Get out of here or it'll get you too. Looking out for his mate. A shark around his leg. He was fucking sacrificing, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Iceman in the chat. That's a pal. That's a pal, all right? Out of the water, quick, before I get to you too. <laughs> fucking genius. Chased Dane, a surfer in the water too, yep. and well prepared. Okay. So I took the leg rope off and we used it as a tourniquet. There was three puncture wounds in the top of Jack's foot. Um, they were they were pretty pretty decent. Just Pretty decent. <laughs> If you thought you were going to get sympathy here, kid, guess again. A shark latched onto my foot. Well, it's pretty decent, I guess. I mean, nothing to get excited about, Jack. <laughs> pretty decent. Just what bit Jack Shackle is a mystery, nobody really knows. But doctors at Monavale Hospital say it looks like a very Australian hit and run or a brush with a shark. An Australian hit and run is a shark latching on to your 11-year-old ankle and trying to rip your foot off. Welcome to Australia, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Australia. Welcome to the cucked country. (laughs) Where the 11-year-olds are just fighting off sharks so they can get the cool crutches at the end of it. What do you fucking think of that? Come back to us when your 11-year-olds aren't cutting their dicks off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, come on. It's just jokes. You know I love you. It's just jokes. All right, let's take a quick couple of minutes break. And I mean, when I say a couple of minutes, I mean a couple of fucking minutes, okay? A quick couple of minutes break because we're not waiting for you if you take too long to get back. All right? So a quick couple of minutes break. When we return, I've got so much stuff. I've got Texas students arguing for critical race theory, which is lovely. Lovely little selection here. Uh, What else do we have? We've got some uh, safety, COVID safety updates coming up in the second half of the show. If you want to stick around for that, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I'm sure you'll love that kind of thing. So a couple of minutes. See you soon. Grab yourself a drink and we'll be right back. Oh, you son of a bitch, no hey, argument. Hey, hey, careful, man, there's a beverage here, eh? You never know who's gonna stop by when you're watching, winning TV. All the people that you've gotten to know, and the new faces you
to see. You got Phil, he's the man in charge. You know he's running the show. He's got all the news of the day and all the gossip to unload. So settle in, cause we're going through. The next couple hours, it's just us and you. Y'all gonna love everything you see right here on Winning TV. You never know who's gonna drop in when you're watching Winning TV. Hey, come on. Hey, 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 get over here. Okay, now you're you, I'm me. I'm me? Hey, don't jerk me around, fella. It's Greeno here from the starting block. On behalf of the block, we just wanted to let you all know that we're all in this together. Well, except if you have coronavirus, then stay the fuck away. But in every other situation, we're in it together. To all of you on the front lines, those of you turning a footstool, a walk, and a pitchfork into a home gym, those of you who have given your housemates a mental breakdown because you decided lockdown was a great time to learn the keyboard, and the only thing you can play after eight weeks is chopsticks over and over and over again. And those of you who are homeschooling and are now understanding the question you used to harass your maths teacher with of, when the fuck are we ever going to need to know this in the real world, is coming back to bite you on the ass. Just remember, like a 1990s Australian sitcom, we're all in this together. The days may be long, but in times like this, you can rest assured, we will be here to waste an hour of your week, Friday nights Australian time, at dlive.tv slash the starting block. So take care, social distance, whack on a mask, and subscribe to our show on iTunes. It may not cure coronavirus, but it sure will help us with our rankings. And isn't that really the most important thing right now? You're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? <laughs> it should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. Well, folks, I have to tell you, I just saw the craziest moving picture clip you've ever seen. Where, you ask? Well, it's the Victor Show. He plays the wildest moving picture clips. <laughs> well, let me tell you a little more about it. To make you laugh out loud Something for the political crowd Put it all together And you got the Victor Show So next time that you're in town Why not make Mr. Von Shroom proud Come on down and watch the Victor Show today If you want to listen to a show That wastes 60 minutes of your time Talking about something that you probably could cover In the Speaking space of, of 30, responsibility 30, seconds for Then sure, why not Check out the Daily Boogie This Justin the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More right on. this world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. And shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Second half of the program here, Friday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I did catch a comment. While we were away, you know what? Let's just get out of this music. 
That's better. Uh, I caught a comment. Oh, this is good. I haven't heard this one on the playlist yet. A couple of people have asked me, um, what's the go with the music? No, I don't. It's not like I'm picking songs. I just have a playlist and I just let it roll. And then sometimes the right song comes on at the right moment, like with the story or whatever, and you can make use of it. Like last week where it was sexual, Beyonce. That that song just happened to come on when I was reading that up. That's why I like the music bed behind, because it keeps me entertained. <laughs> it's not really about you. It's what I like. And I like to be able to put it up there like this. And I like to bring it back down if we're having a little conversation and I want it to be, you know, a little more intimate. Inti- intimate. Intimate? Intimate. Intimate. If we want it to be a little more intimate, then I can do it like this and take it right down there. But, you know, if I want to pause for a quick second to sip my, what I'm drinking now is a bourbon and Coke. I've moved on from the vodka Red Bull and we're now drinking bourbon and Cokes. If I want to take a quick sip of that, I do one of these. And then I can use it to break the show up. Isn't it fun? So I did mention, I did mention, I did see a mention. Somebody said, hey, check your Twitter mentions. It was one step too far. One step too far, certifiably uh, a lunatic, I think. In YouTube terms, and I mean a friendly, you know, lunatic. Lunatic. God, I just got messy very quickly, didn't I? Let me reset for a moment. I think the break is too short now. So it's coming back and kind of catching me off guard. One step too far is uh, a lunatic certifiable on YouTube, but he's a friendly lunatic like a friendly troll that lives under a bridge. You know, you've got the angry trolls that will try to kill you, but the friendly ones will be like, no, don't go that way. Follow me if you want to survive the journey. And off you go and follow the good troll. And he presents you things. I take a sip from this me magic mead cup. It's, it's, it's seasoned with the blood of the fairies I got on the howling mountain. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. But he doesn't lead you astray, but you are a little, you know, <clears throat> how can I say? You are a little standoffish. <laughs> hey, motherfucker, it's a nice bridge. <laughs> One step. So he said we should watch this. Okay, let's have a look. Speaking of I don't responsibility know what it is. for anything on this planet, this started back it's in a pa- January. It's a, a shadowy super cabal cut. of Jews created the virus. <laughs> it just only has been taking hold now. Now, why would Jews create the virus? Well, of course, it's so that then Jews can profit from later curing the virus. And there's two or three different hypotheses about why Jews are blamed for anything on this planet. So there's kind of. <laughs> OK. Susan. Susan. Somebody sent me a racy video, Susan. I'll put the link in the chat for you. Look, I, I look, I don't know I don't know who David Pakman is, to be honest. So it would probably be funnier if I knew who Pakman was. So but I don't. 
I'm guessing I'm guessing he hosts a podcast called the David Backman Show. <laughs> I'm guessing. But I don't know who he is. Okay, there you go. It's a super cut. Hackman is allowed to say it like it's the N-word. Oh, okay. He gets... Oh, right. He's special. Special. Well, there you go, Susan. You can't get me in trouble because he's a gay progressive who can say the (laughs) J-word. Thank you, One Step Too Far. Like like I said before, One Step Too Far is a lunatic, but he's a, a friendly troll who lives under a very nice bridge that he keeps very clean. He shits in the river. Most trolls just shit under the bridge and then sleep next to it. He shits in the river because he's considerate about you as a passer through the bridge. All right. Who wants to be protected? Scientist explains how they're creating a universal COVID vaccine. Universal COVID vaccine. It's about time. The vaccine to end all vaccines. One ring to rule them all. It's just one more lockdown. It's just two more weeks. It's one more booster. It's one more restriction. It's one less athlete at the Open. It's just one more law passed. It's one more payment. What if we had one vaccine to rule them all? A super vaccine. A hero vaccine. One that cleanses everyone. Now you're talking. It reminds me... Yes. Gypsy of Diamonds with the diamond. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Says one syringe to save us all. I like it. I like it. That's good branding. (laughs) Those things will be flying off the shelves. Now, as we all know, though, however, one does need to temper the enthusiasm of the super jab that's coming around the corner. One jab to rule them all. Rein it in for a moment because, of course, with great power comes great responsibility. And... I have seen pretty much every shitty zombie movie that's ever been made. Pretty much. Press one in the chat if you've ever seen a zombie movie that starts with somebody claiming a new medicine is a super cure that everyone should take. (laughs) Hands up if you've ever seen. You see, because we're not breaking terms of service here, I am asking, have you ever seen a zombie movie where the plot of the movie begins with somebody claiming some kind of scientific breakthrough? How many many of you have seen that? in the chat ladies and gentlemen Sean of the Dead I Am Legend starts with so you've effectively cured cancer yes we have (laughs) and 
people do regularly shit on I Am Legend because purely because Will Smith is in it. And as I've explained previously on this show, I can't, I cannot hate Will Smith. I'm sorry. I grew up when Will Smith was doing the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and Boom Shake the Room, and that shit is locked into my childhood forever, and it will always be good. I don't care how many I don't care how many teenage boys fuck Will Smith's wife, I'm still gonna like him. <laughs> she can fuck the entire high school football team if she wanted to. It wouldn't make any difference because to me, Will Smith is boom, shake, shake, shake the room. Tick, 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 boom. And he'll always be that. It's like, um, I'll tell you what, it's like the guy who did a licky boom, boom down in Farmer <laughs> with all the gibberish. A licky boom, boom down. It's like him, Snow. Now, Snow could have gone on to become a fucking serial killer for all I know. I don't know. He was from Finland or something weird, wasn't he? And they tend to be suicidal weirdos who listen to black metal with organs playing, who who dye their hair black and put nail polish on. They tend to be those types. Victor Von Schroom knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> he is, of course, in Holland, which is Western Europe, which is, of course the part of Europe most dear to my heart. And, you know, those northerners are a little bit strange. They are. Norway, Sweden, Finland, they're a bit different up there. Snow was from Canada, was he? Was he from Canada? Well, it's same same thing. The French Canadians think they're French. Right. But France, historically, has been invaded and conquered by so many people. Who really knows what they are at this point? <laughs> I mean, there's a part of France. Have you, if, if you're not familiar with, you know, football teams and stuff, there, there are parts of France that have, like, English flags and stuff <laughs> because they were conquered so many times by the English that, you know... French football teams will have, uh, you know, the English, a Spanish football team will have the English flag in their logo because at one point or another, the English happened to be ruling there for a couple of hundred years or something, right? So, <laughs> nah, you know, it's all that. <clears throat> God, that was, yeah, you're way off subject, Boogie. <laughs> well, we're relaxing. We're having fun. It's a Friday. Do you want to have a stream or not? Jesus. Follow Boogie in the chat. You're way off topic. What topic? What? Come on. Way off subject. What subject are we doing? Come on. What subject do we ever do here? Really, what's the fucking point of it all? <laughs> okay. He's, he's sulking it. Come on, man. Follow Boogie in the chat is sulking. I want everyone to pat Follow Boogie17 in the chat on the back and say, it's, I want everyone to say at follow boogie seventeen. It's going to be all right, mate. <laughs> Pat him on the back and say it's going to be okay. It's fine. Everything's all right. Nothing, dude. Nothing is fucked. Nothing is fucked. It's okay, mate. It's all right. You and me, bro.
follow Boogie with the Diamond. Save me, please! Please! All right. So one, one COVID jab. Look, we better get back on fucking topic here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're fucking around here. We're wasting time. Time to get back on topic. Why didn't one of you remind me to get back on topic, by the way? If Follow Boogie says he did, ban him from the chat, please, immediately. We won't tolerate that kind of shit here in Boogie Stand. So, one jab to end them all. One super jab to end all the wars. <laughs> Just one more medicine, and that will be the last one. And we will have cured what ails you out there in the wide, dangerous world. Let's have a look. Right now. Right now. Now, this is Dr. Sanjay Gupta, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, of course, what we refer to here on the show, and Susan Wojcicki would also refer to them. I, rec- I, By the way, I call her Suze. I don't know me. Because I know her that well. And when we had our, our pre-show meeting last night, I did mention to Suze. Now, Suze, uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, is he an approved person, an authoritative source? And she replied to me, who are you and how did you get this number? And I took that as a yes, because in the secret dark world of the New World Order, that's the way we communicate with each other. People pretend to not know who you are. And you do what you think is best, and somehow you will get invited onto the humanity life raft, which will be heading for the moon of Jupiter known as Titan in the year 2050, after our consciousness has been uploaded to a super... Sega Mega Drive. That's the great kicker here. It's it's actually hidden in an 8-bit gaming machine that uses cartridges. So you'd never suspect it. Right now, it's a race. There's going to be variants uh, for a long time. The virus against the vaccines and the boosters and possibly more boosters. You're part of a race now. Don't you want the boosters to win? What's the race? How many people will it kill? (laughs) Right now, the boosters are in a race with the virus to see how many body bags they can fill. I mean, has Delta even... Has Delta even been given the tour around the football field in their retirement game? You know how, like, if you have... Here in this country, what we do is... In cricket or Australian football, they're played on the same ground, right? The oval ground. So you play cricket in the summer, you play football in the winter. That's the way it works here. So, you know, if you finish up that season, you're retiring, then you kind of get you get a lap around the football field, preferably at your home ground if you don't if you don't get injured or whatever. And you get to go around your home ground and wave and, you know, high five people and like, all right, good career, man. See you later. Thanks for the memories, etc. Did we ever give Delta the proper send-off? Did we? Did we ever give Delta the send-off it deserves? Or were we just did we just fucking draft in Omicron and then you know next thing you know, it's our star player. And you know, yesterday's hero, Tom Selleck in a baseball movie. We, you know, we traded Delta to Japan and just kind of moved on. And it's like, well, now we've got Omicron. Omicron's just as good. 
because the kids are going crazy over Omicron. Nobody even cares about Delta anymore. What's poor Delta think about this? These viruses are alive and they can mutate. Is anybody thinking about Delta's feelings? I don't think they are. I love how CNN has the stats right up there on the screen. Look at this. Current hospitalizations, 141,385. That's how specific they are. In order to convey... See, this is a logical fallacy. This is this is a trick of media. I don't, most of you probably know this already. But if you give a number like that, if you give strangely specific numbers, the, the, the brutal reality is most people, right? I know you're not, but most people in the world, believe it or not, are idiots. Most people are. Because if you think about average intelligence, you have to have a lot of people that are at the top of the scale in order to balance out the, the majority of people that are at the bottom. So average intelligence, quote unquote, is not the absolute middle. It's because there are a few people who tip the scales more towards intelligence because they're so much more intelligent than the rest of us. And dumb people tend to congregate in a big pool of around 10 IQ points at the bottom end of the scale, right? So most people are down there in this big kind of pool. And then you have a few people who are far and above beyond everybody else. And you get your average by putting it, you know, a stake right in the middle of that equation. But it's not actually the average. Most people are stupid, if you get what I'm saying. So because most people are stupid, people who are good at these jobs here at CNN, and when I say these jobs, I mean like low-level manipulation, which is, you know, it's communication. This is the shit you learn in communications courses. And, you know, if you're studying communications or PR, this is the shit you learn. You do a little bit of social psychology. It's part of, it's baked into the, the teaching that they give you, right? So you know that idiots, if they see a number that's like 141,385, because you're using this specific number, instead of saying like, over 100,000 or almost 150,000. Because you're being specific, they automatically assume that you're correct. That's just the way people think. And it's not like they do it consciously. They subconsciously see an exact number like that and their brain computes that as this person knows exactly what's going on. And of course, that's not true. Because no, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here, but no, CNN does not have correspondence in every hospital in the country. They don't, <laughs> okay? So there is no possible way that anyone could actually know what the current number of hospitalizations is because all of the hospitals are in all different places and all on different networks and all with different reporting procedures and all with different in internal protocols and all with different ways that they keep statistics, that number is pure fiction. They, they shouldn't be allowed. If, if, and it's the most ardent defenders of CNN who will say, we need accuracy in journalism, and then they'll talk about Tucker Carlson, right? You shouldn't be allowed to put on the screen, 
current hospitalizations because there is no way known in the universe that you can actually know how many people are in hospital because of X. You can't do it. There are, there are over 320 million people in your country. You can't account for all of them much as you would like to. Much as you would like to know how many people are in hospital down to the exact number at any given time, you can't possibly know. But hey, if we put this figure on the screen... It looks like we do. <laughs> it looks like we know what we're doing. We obviously don't. We obviously don't know how many people are in hospital, but let's make it seem like we do. Why? Because then people will trust us. Welcome to PR 101. Trust. The first thing they teach you when you're doing like communications or writing or creative writing or whatever at like a university level, they, they'll teach you how to win somebody's, how to win the audience's trust. And that what I'm, they won't, the, you know, the course won't be called how to win the audience's trust, but it'll be shit like using appropriate language and stuff like that. That's what they teach you. Understand your audience, use the language that resonates with them and then do your best, basically. Think about what you say in order to make people think. Right? So we've got 141,385 current hospitalizations, according. He is forging ahead with an Omicron-specific vaccine. Yep. But scientists have been working on what could be a better solution. The urgent need of a universal coronavirus vaccine. It's just what it sounds... Urgent need. Urgent. People who are good at sales will tell you that the art of selling something is about creating a sense of urgency, right? Like this is why, you know, vacuum salesmen have 24-hour sales, right? Because you've only got 24 hours to make a decision. You have to get this now. And because most people are idiots, right, as we discussed... Because most people are idiots, most people will do what they're told. So if you can create a sense of urgency within a person, <clears throat> that they, they have a limited time only because everyone's got FOMO, right? <laughs> and if you've only got a limited amount of time to make a decision, then most people will make the decision you want them to make. It's just the way people work. So, of course, every time, look, look, I mean, look at the Chiron here, ladies and gentlemen. Scientists racing to create a universal vaccine. Racing to create. There is, mo there is no more sense of urgency than when you're in a fucking race. <laughs> right? It doesn't get any more urgent than I need to finish first. That's the most urgent you can be. I have to be quicker than everyone else. Congratulations, you just created a sense of urgency. And what does urgency create, ladies and gentlemen? It creates demand. People used to, people used to really, um, you know, kind of 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
behavioral economics was seen as like, you know, kind of wizardry and potions by eco- uh, economists and people who studied finance. They thought it was kind of hocus pocus, um, <clears throat> you know, glass ball reading, reading the tea leaves, looking at smoke signals. They thought it was that kind of a way of looking at economics. And, you know, 20 years later, 15 years later, here we are. And behavioral economics, like, owns, 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 owns anybody who's ever said otherwise. And the reason is because people are so predictable. There's so many stupid people out there. You, the success, like, the stock price of a company, take this for example, right? The stock price of a company is not fueled by what the company actually does. What the company actually does does not make the stock price go up or down. What makes the stock price go up or down is what people think it's going to be worth, right? That's the only thing that happens. People say, oh, this company made a great product, therefore... You know, people are investing because there's a big future for this product. That is 100% the wrong way to think about economics. I'm not saying it's the wrong way to think about stocks or buying or selling stocks. It's not something I do. But it's the wrong way to think about the way money moves in that space. Because the way money moves is if something is cheap, if you can start a rumor that a company is going to make money because of some product, right? then if it's 50 cents, then somebody says, wow, 50 cents, that share is so cheap. I'm going to buy fucking X amount of them. And then for the next person, the price is 60 cents. And then they say, well, 60 cents is pretty good. And that and that guy just bought, you know, a million shares. So I'm going to buy a million shares because clearly this thing is hot. Right. And then, and then you know, further down the line, other people jump in, you know, like the day traders and the mum and dads. And they're like, oh, look, People are invested. This thing is like skyrocketing. We're going to get involved here. They're, did you hear? They're making this product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's going up. So we've got to get in. We've got to get on, right? It's the perception that the company will make money in the future that actually fuels the stock price. And it's got nothing to do with what they actually do. Because a company can do nothing. And just say... Let's say when Trump was at the peak of his powers, if Trump came out and said about some small company, right? Because such was his, you know, let's talk about 2017 Trump, right? Such was his um, ability to just kind of get millions of people, you know, kind of around the neck in a headlock and drag them to where he wanted them to go. It's not the same now, obviously, clearly. But it was back in the, you know, 16, 17 days. He would just grab everyone and like, all right, you're coming with me. If he had have said, oh, this company's going to make money, like, I like this company, that would have been enough to make the company's product uh, stock price skyrocket without even doing anything. Because it's not really about what the company can do, it's about what people think the company's going to be worth. And so here we are. CNN, and I wish I had Royce Lopez's um, soundboard right now so I could do that, which I think is the funniest sound drop that Royce has on ROTC, just for me personally. But the the sponsored by Pfizer is just, I fucking laugh every time. Especially, it's of course, obviously, especially when it's spliced in where it ought not to be. 
Those are the funniest ones. Sponsored by, brought to you by Pfizer. And it's the delivery and everything. That is my favorite sound drop. And I wish I had a fucking thought of it first, but I didn't. So now I can never use it, which is a shame. Because <laughs> I would have been flogging the ass out of that thing over the last month or so. <laughs> but it's it's got a happy home nonetheless. Here we are, scientists racing to create a universal coronavirus vaccine. Racing to create because the clock is ticking. Who knows how safe we're going to be? Who knows what tomorrow brings? Tomorrow's going to be more dangerous. There's going to be more variants. You're going to have to be more careful. We're racing to create a universal vaccine. One ring to rule them all. Congratulations, you just graduated from PR, Advertising and Communications 101 and the Psychology of Behavioural Economics. Create urgency. Because the product doesn't fuel money. People's interest in money fuels money. (laughs) The product is just a vehicle to pique people's interest and it needs PR to make it happen. Like watering a seed... Carry on. Sounds like a vaccine that covers the circulating virus, yes, but also future variants we haven't even future seen variant. yet. And we are creating a vaccine to deal with variants we haven't seen yet. That's what they're telling you. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. If you were a skeptical person, you might ask, sir. How can you invent something to solve a problem that we haven't got yet? That sounds a little foreboding. That sounds a little ominous. Dare I say it, that sounds a little predictive. Of course, if you were to mention that it sounds a little predictive, you would definitely be banned for misinformation. Spreading conspiracy theories, mind you. Potentially other types of coronavirus. Happy as Hanukkah, well. my nigga. James Campisi tipped five dollars. Thank you, sir. Have some money, sir. Thank you. I will. I'll take your money. Thank you. I will have some money. James Campisi, Campisi, motherfucker. James Campisi. <laughs> not only targeting SARS-like viruses, but then targeting MERS-like viruses, or then also targeting cold viruses. Kevin Saunders. What if we made a vaccine to cure everyone of everything? This looks like a fake news clip that they would create and put at the start of a zombie movie. This looked like it should be filmed playing... Like, let's talk about zombie movie stereotypes. The news clip montage is a zombie movie stereotype. Every good zombie movie has a good news clip montage. Day four of the attack today is London is overrun by the walking dead. (laughs) Chicago, it looks pretty much like it used to. (laughs) 
can't really tell the difference. There's piles of dead bodies. We don't know which ones are the fresh ones. They'll either eat your brains or tell you to pop a nigga out. It's up to you. <laughs> Resident Evil. Never saw Resident Evil. I need to watch them. But all of them have a good media montage. And this looks like the kind of fake clip that you would make to go in the media montage at the beginning of the movie. Where the guy says, look, we're, we're in the process of creating a vaccine that cures everything. <laughs> Next thing you know. Brains. Is the director of research here at the Duke Human Vaccine Institute. One of the many groups racing to create a universal... The Human Vaccine Institute. If only we had a vaccine for humans. That would be nice, wouldn't it? A vaccine to cure us from humans. Here at the Duke Human... I would take it immediately. Then I would just hang out with my dogs all day. <laughs> Alright. No humans, just the puppies. That'll do. See you later, everyone. You, you you go out there and, and start getting erections in the female changing rooms at the you know the cisgendered female swimming competition. You'd go and do that. Sidle up to them and say, hey, you know I date women, right? <laughs> you do that, and I'll stay home and pat the dogs. What do you think? Vaccine Institute, one of the many groups racing to create a universal vaccine. What we try to do is really target a specific part of the virus, for, for instance, mm. that we know is its Achilles heel. Now remember, viruses mutate all the time. So the trick is to find a stable part of the virus, a part yep. that doesn't really change from one variant to the next. Okay. A common denominator. Saunders yep. calls it a conserved site. All creating right. antibodies. To is he the only guy who calls it that? Saunders calls it a cons... What was it? A conserved site? Okay. What does everyone else call it? Because you told me I need to trust the science, not one guy. Whatever the science is, I'm sure it wouldn't be referred to as one person. Unless, of course, you're talking about Dr. Fauci, which is the... He is the science. I am the science! Dr. Fauci, can I get immunity from a toilet seat that's been sat on by an AIDS-riddled gay man? Can I learn this power? Not from a conservative. Oh, Anakin. <laughs> the conservatives don't understand how powerful you are. They don't respect you. Uh, meanwhile, the Chiron here. CNN goes inside a lab working on a universal coronavirus vaccine. We're getting the inside look here, guys. And this is where I would drop the Royce Lopez now, patented. Brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> to that is one path to a universal vaccine. So typically that's a place where the virus is binding to specific protein on the host cell that it's targeting. Yep. And if it changes that site, then it's no longer able to infect. A big clue came from someone who was infected with SARS, 
all the way back in 2003. Right, 2003, that's ancient history. What are we worried about 2003 for? It's totally different, yet the exact same. I do love um, that we are now in the stage of modern history where we will instantly rewrite history the day after something happens. We, Once upon a time to rewrite history, it used to have to be hundreds of years later because anyone who was within arm's reach of the actual event, let's say three or four generations max, they pretty much nailed it. But if you're the fifth generation coming in, you can make the story whatever you want it to be. There's nobody alive to say otherwise. Especially when people, human beings, Europeans, Africans, everyone was having kids at like 14, 15, 16 for thousands of years because you only lived to like 35 if you're lucky. So by the time we got to like, say, the 1500s, the 1600s, I mean, there's a reason that the Dark Ages happened. It's because nobody was left alive to tell the story, so nothing got written. It wasn't until years after that people started writing, well, I heard from my grandfather's grandfather's grandfather grandfather that this is what happened. What is DH-1047? The antibody DH-1047 um, is, is an antibody that we found from a SARS-CoV-1 infected individual. Yep. 17 years later, in 2020, in the really? midst of the current outbreak... How convenient. They found DH-1047... Wow, DH, what was the name of that jumbo jet that crashed, incidentally? MH-117... Oh was also protective against COVID. Protective against a virus that didn't even exist. <laughs> we have rediscovered something. <laughs> we solved a problem. This is how good we are at this. We've solved a problem that didn't even exist. They do tell you everything they're doing. They do tell you what's going on. When a politician comes out and says, this is going to be with us for years to come, if we've learned anything, it should be this. Remember when we used to mock them for saying, oh, this is going to last for years to come. We used to go, whatever. Okay, mate. Yeah, sure thing. No, they meant it and they were serious and it came true. So they will openly tell you. If they say, look, we're going to require QR codes and vaccine mandates for years to come, you better fucking believe it. You better fucking believe it. They mean it. They're not joking. This is not a test. This is not a drill. <laughs> this is happening. This is your life. what I want to carry on I want to keep going I know I know we're what a couple of hours in now but I might go to the I might go to the little boys room because there's more to unearth here we haven't even got to the school districts trying to ban books because they're book burning again the Nazis are book burning again ladies and gentlemen so we can take care of that 
I've got a couple of things, but if I go and, you know, visit the little boy's room, we can return and carry on. So stick with me. I'll play another quick, short little break. I'll be right back. Stick around. We're doing overtime tonight on the Daily Boogie podcast. See you soon. Uh, ni hao a boogie. Uh, this is a frozen Asian, and uh, I heard about uh, what you said about uh, China, and uh, well, uh, you are guaylo. Yeah, you are guaylo. Stop being guaylo. Aloha, and welcome to Pirate Radio, Ladies of Liberty, the hot seat, or maybe this is my daily traffic report. I don't know. As you can tell, I, I seem to have a problem with commitment to one type of platform. I, I think doctors refer to that as uh, ADD. Uh, but anyways, if you want to follow any of those shows, you want to catch me live every single day of the week, you can follow me at Real Person Politics. That's Real Person P-L-T-C-S. Aloha. You gave him a loaded shotgun? Well, you don't give a toy without batteries. Come and get your Tootsie Rolls. It's Irrational Times. Original music. Interactive trivia. Games. Guests. VHS record. Adult Learning Center. Window repair. Flight trainer. Kosher catering. And now introducing the lovely assistant. I do gym jams. And here, I use only the finest jib to combine with an organic jab to produce the highest quality jib jabs. Don't be fooled by those imitation jib jabs made in Chinese sweatshops. Enjoy fair trade jib jabs made locally here in Canada. Due to the outcome of a previous court case, the lovely assistant is prohibited from jib jabbing outside of Canada. I mean, let's, I mean, if we're going to go full public, full transparency, let's see all of it, because I guarantee you what the Democrats were doing was criminal, impeachable activities routinely. Hey, where do the llamas like to be petted? You know, I'm going to be real honest. I don't think you look very nice. Hmm. This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More I don't this world can get you down. There's a one thing you can do. I'm actually going to need like another minute or so because I just raced back into the studio. Um, I was just urinating that whole time. <laughs> So I didn't even get to make another drink or anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I got back into the studio. I have a little bar fridge in the studio. So the drinks are right there. But 
as I walked into the room, I saw like on the screen the last few seconds of the ad clip playing. So I had to quickly race in and sit down and do this. But I'm going to need like another minute. Because <laughs> we're so professional here on the show. So just give me a brief moment and I'll be right with you. Uh, maybe I can play something. Mm, no, actually, just wait. <laughs> give me one minute. Or do we not have the best music bed in the fucking business, ladies and gentlemen? All right, look. So I'm just, I'm just getting adjusted here. Quick AMA uh, coming up. Look, we've got to get to this thing about the Texas students who are getting upset at the parents trying to ban books at the schools. Okay, so this is, this is fucking quality. This I'm telling you. So we have to get to that. I've got, I've got so much. I've got new rules. Like we've got so much to get through. So we're doing a little overtime tonight. So I tell you what. In the meantime, while I'm getting set up here, uh, AMA. What do you got? I'll answer your queries. get your ideas from Adonis Paul Trust me all this waiting is going to be worth it Foggy the chat. This is going great. Yeah, I'm pretty relaxed about it. What I've learned is after a few years of doing this, those that want to stick around will, and those that don't won't. And there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> 
All right, we're back. We're recharged. We're ready to fucking rock and roll. We've got to do some safety here on the show. How about this? Let's see what you think of this, my friends. Texas students go off on school districts push to ban books on inequality because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. You know when you know when you were reading the book and it said, you know, it felt man as a young man it felt so nice to uh suck on that penis. <laughs> when you're reading that, that's what what that book is about. It's about inequality, okay? <laughs> that book's about inequality. The thing I love most about this is, you know, myself, many, many other people just out there in the world, not, you know, not podcasting or YouTubing or just if you were just a person in the world. You know, you might have been somebody who was talking about uh, a concept which has been described as the march through the institutions. Have you ever heard that term? Press one in the chat if you've heard the term march through the institutions and you know what it means. Because that's what we were kind of talking about 10 years ago, that various institutions, obviously, like education, law, you know, medicine, science, whatever it was, uh, were being overrun kind of with people whose main concerns were ideological instead of outcomes-based, right? Instead of rational, instead of meritorious, uh, their, their, their ultimate end goals for their job description was more of an ideolo ideological sense. You know, you might be a community outreach officer or something of that nature. And these things were kind of overtaking all of the other little auxiliary um, outlets that we have in Western society. Right? The arts, science, academia, whatever. So back then, if you were talking about these things, you would be described as a conspiracy theorist, obviously. Conspiracy theory. It was a conspiracy theory. There's no such thing as critical race theory. There's no such thing as um, cultural Marxism. There's no such thing as the march through the institutions. You're making it up. It's not real. This is not what students are taught. And... This has followed every other thing that you were talking about years ago, which ended up happening. Regardless of what it was, if once upon a time you were saying something like, hey, this will end with men in the female changing rooms and you were called a conspiracy theorist or, or a bigot or whatever, what happened? You, you got called a conspiracy theorist and then eventually it was taken over and re rebranded by the corporate mainstream media and then the people who were calling you a conspiracy theorist started saying that it's a good idea instead of they they switch instead of telling you that you're a conspiracy theorist and you're making it up they'll instead say no it's a great idea and you're a bigot if you don't agree with me so 10 years ago you were saying look one day there's going to be men in the women's changing room they would say, oh, fucking conspiracy theorist. But these days, if you say it, they say, yeah, it's absolutely happening and it should happen because it's about equality, <laughs> right? And it doesn't matter what the thing is that you predicted. 
you could have said 10 years ago, hey, one day everyone will be required to scan into every building they've been into and everyone will be issued, you know, a kind of pseudo barcode in the form of a QR code. It, it even sounds like barcode. <laughs> QR code. You'll get your little QR code and you'll be forced to scan into every building. 10 years ago, they would have told you that you're a conspiracy theorist. Today, they'll say it's a good idea and they can't believe that you're not on board with it. It went from not being possible to what we want. And, you know, in the case of this, Texas students go off on school districts push to ban books. What you're going to realise as we cycle through these videos here, because we're seeing students who are talking about how much they love the you know, the various materials that fall under quote-unquote critical race theory, cultural Marxism, what have you. Uh, they're talking about the various materials, how much they enjoy them and how important they are. And it should be evidently clear at that point that, yes, here we have... The, we live in this prism, okay, of time and space where the, the teacher's pets, okay... They, they want you to believe that the teacher's pets are the activists, <laughs> right? Because who else would get up and defend, defend, defend what books, like what, what, what other students would get up and defend what the teachers are teaching them unless it were the teacher's pets? This is a revolution of the nerds that we are witnessing. This is a revolution of the teacher's pets. This is a revolution of the students who are the first ones to throw their hand up in class. When the teacher asks something like, if you have a vagina that is a penis, should you be allowed in the women's changing room? Your hand goes straight up like Hermione Granger. <laughs> <laughs> Miss, 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 answer. Please, 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 please. Uh, actually, a vagina is a penis and a vagina. It depends on how you feel about it. And congratulations, Hermione. Very well done. Extra credit for you. This is the teacher's pets. This is the revolution of the suck-ups that we're witnessing here. And the bigger suck-up you are, the bigger teacher's pet you are, the better off you'll be. <laughs> So I don't know what happened. I don't know how things transpired to get us to this moment, but this is the moment we're living in. This is your reality now. This is real life. The teacher's pets are running the show. Have a listen to this. There is some really hysterical stuff in here, and you're going to appreciate it. In the last year, conservative lawmakers, school officials and parents across the country have embarked on a crusade against school lesson plans. Note the use of the word crusade because, of course, those Christians are very bigoted. <laughs> right? If, if you're wondering what they teach you at a communications, you know, during a communications degree or if you're studying some kind of writing, this is the shit they teach you but they don't openly tell you that this is what they're teaching you for. They kind of give you a guideline and an outline of like approved language and approved writing tone in how to express yourself. And this is the, the outcome. This is what it ends up looking like. 
That's what they teach you. That line again. In the last year, conservative lawmakers, school officials and parents across the country have embarked on a crusade against school lesson plans. The, the whole game to being a successful corporate mainstream media journalist is being able to prod the opposition without appearing to do so. Because the term crusade plays against biases. So for your audience, when they hear crusade, they picture these, you know, people dressed up thinking that they're knights of the round table at a medieval fair somewhere in backwater Georgia or something, right? In some pathetic little swamp. They picture that when they see when they hear the word crusade against lesson plans. That's the way they're characterizing you. If you have some kind of problem with six-year-olds being taught about the virtues of having same-sex oral. <laughs> you're, the, you're the crazy fundamentalist, right? Laws and bans are uh, ostensibly introduced to protect students from these allegedly quote-unquote un- obscene materials have actually been crafted to coddle... Listen to this. This is a fucking quote. Have actually been crafted to coddle white parents and by extension their children who don't want to be reminded of the ways they benefit from oppression. (laughs) Fair and balanced. (laughs) Wow. Yep. (laughs) And I love the matter-of-factness, the... The very factual way they put it out there, like that's true. Because I guess that's the con, isn't it? How can you make other people believe your bullshit if you don't believe it? Comely wenches of virtue true. Carry a monkey in the chat. Allegedly obscene materials have actually been crafted to coddle white parents and by extension their children, because we wouldn't want to coddle children, would we? <laughs> yes. No, we wanted we want to throw the children straight back into the acid mines where they belong. I want to see children with soot all over their face, like a fucking chimney sweep, like it was 1850, marching around London in prison outfits, working hard for the man, working hard for the money. Let's get the five-year-olds back out there. But I tell you what, we'll force the five-year-olds to go to work in the mines, but then we'll tell them they're only allowed to work if they get the jab. (laughs) We'll force the five-year-olds to take out a mortgage and then we'll only let them work if they get triple boosted. Fuck them. Hey, if it's good enough for us, it's good enough for them too. Obscene materials have actually been crafted to coddle white parents, and by extension their children, who don't want to be reminded of the ways they benefit from oppression. (laughs) But we've rarely heard from students themselves about how they view the conservative assault on lesson plans. The assault on lesson plans. (laughs) See, the beautiful part for me about this is I have a lot of progressive friends and, you know, they kind of believe that this is like a book banning exercise and what have you. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember growing up and everyone was told, hey, if you don't like what a certain institution or government institution is doing, 
you should protest and make your voices heard. Right? My progressive friends out there who have marched many times trying to ban everything... We all acknowledge that both sides at different times have tried to ban things. It's just the way it goes. It just so happens that we're in the flow of the... We're in the particular part of the the pendulum's, you know, trajectory where it tends to be swinging more one way than the other. So right now, it's like it's more of the right-minded conservative types who are a little bit less censorious, but they're still censorious. <laughs> They just want to sense a different stuff. But it just so happens that, right, you know, 40 years ago, it was the left who were a bit more like, hey, let us have free speech and let us swear on television and show breasts, right? Incidentally, they're the ones who want everyone to cover up now, which is fun, unless they're gay. Because, <laughs> you see, it would be it would be sexist to show, um, you know, actual female to male sex on television if you see if you show gay sex it's inclusive <laughs> or something i don't know what they're doing now i don't know what they feel about these matters anymore but it's something like that something like that Laws and bans ostensibly introduced to protect students from these allegedly obscene materials have actually been crafted to coddle white parents, and by extension their children, fuck the children, who don't want to be reminded of the ways they benefit from oppression. But we've rarely heard from students themselves about how they view the conservative assault on lesson plans. High school students in Granbury, Texas. Where is Granbury in Texas? Is it North Texas, South Texas, East Texas, West Texas, Central Texas? There are so many Texases. And the people from South Texas don't like the people from East Texas, I think. And the North Texans don't like the Central Texans. I don't know. What a fucked up state. See, I'm, I'm only joking, of course. I'd love to go to Texas. I'd love to go to Texas and do some ranch shit. <laughs> go to a little town, a Hank Hill town, have some beer in an alleyway. I'd love that. I'd love it. NNN saying it's gay, Texas. Is Texas gay? What's your opinion? Because I have a couple of people who listen from Texas. Uh, Bumpy is staying in Texas with our dear friend Ambelina, who's in the chat. So she's from Texas. But I don't, I don't know which part of Texas she's from. Jim Enward, close to Dallas. It's gay, Texas. Florida is better. I can't know. Flor- follow Boogie. Look, there's a lot of Florida fucking masturbation around at the moment because Ron DeSantis, you know. And I don't have anything. Like, if you like Florida, then fine. But I couldn't do the fucking humidity. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't do it. And I know it sounds retarded for someone from Sydney where I've lived my whole life to be like, I hate the heat and I hate the humidity. But it's because I'm from a place that has heat and humidity. I would never move countries. I would never move international and go to a place that's just as hot and humid. (laughs) No, never. Seriously, and I mean this. 
For a long time, I was going to move to Tennessee if I ever moved to the United States, but it's not Tennessee anymore. No, you know what? I'm telling you, hand on heart. If if I had to move to the United States tomorrow, I would live in the Northeast where it snows. Sorry. I want to live where it snows and they have nice crabs. Because I live in a place that... You, on my wedding day, it was... It was 50 degrees on my wedding day. It was like 49 degrees or something ridiculous. Which I think, if if anyone knows the conversion, I don't know. It's got to be like 110 plus, right? It was fucking hot. And you're wearing a suit and just like pictures and everybody's sweaty. And sure, you know, the places that you're in are air conditioned. But there's a lot of standing around in the sun getting your photo taken. It was brutal. On the plus side, it kind of, um, you know, you got to sweat out the alcohol that you'd been consuming all day. So it works out in the end. Like, it, you know, it's a nice balance, but you have to sacrifice is my point. You got to sacrifice. We're having snow at the moment. Hmm. I'd love to live in a place where snow happens. I don't know. I guess it's the romantic in me. I want to have Christmas where, like, you sit around a fire and have snow and stuff at least once because I've never had that. I would like to do it once. I would like to have carolers show up at my door and sing Christmas carols. And then I would turn to my wife and say, fucking carolers. Go bother someone else. What do they want, money or something? We would have that conversation. It would be a beautiful family moment. I'd love to hear wood crackling by the fire during winter. See, winter for us is a, it's a different ball game here. Summer here, Christmas is summer, so Christmas is about beach and barbecue and you know drinking heavily in the morning. <laughs> it's a totally different vibe. For you, <clears throat> our Christmas is like your 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 spring break, basically. It's a completely different vibe. So I would like like a winter Christmas one year. Just one. Just one. Mob tech pissing down rain here right now. Feels like Darwin outside. Darwin, it's wet season, eh? <laughs> I've never been to Darwin. I should probably go once. A friend of mine lived in Darwin for like four or five years and he said the best thing about it is how relaxed everyone is. And I'm like, really? And he said, yeah, no, he's like, it's a really, really chill town. So he was in the military and he was like, no, it's a, it, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're caught during driving, they were kind of like, go back to base, boys. It was the, so it would be different, I suspect, for someone like me who's not in the military, obviously. Um, but too fucking hot, man. I could not live in Darwin. It's too fucking hot. Too fucking hot. Absolutely not. No. I can't do the heat. I'm a terrible Australian. I hate summertime. I love the winter. I love the cold. I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have, you know, sleet and snow than uh, 120 fucking degrees outside every single day of the week. Because you can have warm drinks and sit by the fire, you know, and um, be inside. <laughs> Instead of everyone feeling like the life is being sucked out of them. 
like the sun is standing on their chest and opening their mouth and sucking their soul out. It's what summer feels like in this country. And it ain't fun. It's not pretty. With your snow lover here as well. See, there are snow lovers. 65 is... I don't know what 65 is. Colorado? Maybe. Maybe. No, too 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 rocky. <laughs> too many mountains. I'm not a mountain man. I'm more of an islander. I live on an island. So I'd like... I would. I think I would very much enjoy, like, you know, northeast New England area, where it's kind of snow, like Maine or something. I don't know. I'm not sure, but something like that. You know, little town, little snow town where people, you know, salt their driveways and stuff. I could deal with that. I don't want like, um, you know, I don't want too much snow. I don't want avalanches and stuff. But there are some amazing... Every now and then I find like some old picture from a town in the United States. And you'll probably... If you, if you guys are American, which like most of you are, you're probably... Uh, Tracy in Alaska actually has like probably the best scenery out of all of you, I think. But, you know, like little pictures where you see like a little town, like a little main street and just surrounding them is like these m huge mountainous, like kind of forest filled mountains and pine trees and just all around and the sun might be just coming up over the mountain which so you probably get sunrise like an hour later than everyone else because you're in this little valley surrounded by all the mountains stuff like that little idiosyncratic beauty beauty things about little local living stuff like that i love so you know i would i'd love to live in a place like that because i'm a very i'm not i'm not a big nightlife guy you know don't want to go out to fucking nightclubs or anything. Just want to potter about, be left alone. I just want, I just want to grill, man. <laughs> just want to grill. Stereotypical libertarian living in 2022 Sydney. I just want to be left alone. All right, where were we? Let's do something here. Here we go. This I think you'll find is interesting. Surgeon General, critical part of how we get through this pandemic is limiting the spread of misinformation. Rogan, who hosts the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, has frequently promoted unproven methods for treating COVID-19 and downplayed the need for vaccines. As recommended by his physician. <laughs> Incidentally. Now, look, I'm not a listener of Joe Rogan. I have listened to Joe Rogan. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate Joe Rogan. I actually think Joe Rogan's very smart. He's a smart guy. I think a lot of people misread him. I think he's very good at uh, his job. And his job is to get as many people to listen to his podcast as is humanly possible. And the way he does that is by not being too far in any particular camp. Because the Joe Rogan podcast is not about Joe Rogan. It's about whichever guest he has on that week. He understands that. So I actually tip my hat to Joe Rogan because uh, people say things like, oh, he, he, he sits on the fence and he needs to pick a side. And I tend to think he probably has a side and he probably knows what he believes in, but he's not 
he's not there to create drama or conflict. He's 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 trying to be as accessible to as many people as possible. He's not about power levels or anything. He's just about how do I make this show get bigger, <laughs> right? So I don't look too much, and I think he's fairly honest with what he really believes in. But if he's talking to someone who has a contradictory view to himself, he's not going to be like, fuck you, motherfucker, you're wrong. He's like, stand up for the cause or anything like that. He's just going to be like, okay, well, tell me what you think. You know, because that's, there's very few um, things now that you can turn to in it, and the show premise is just tell me what you think you everything's got an agenda now and i think that's why he's as big as he is if it was just again like the right thinks that they own joe rogan or something it's really weird they do sorry but right wingers think that joe rogan is like one like on your team he needs to impress you <laughs> it's not true i don't think he belongs to you um he just he does his thing and you know at times it's, he's, you're not going to agree and like he plays dumb and he contradicts and yeah but his his aim is to be a, like a huge podcast host <laughs> you know what I mean he's monetizing your outrage more often than not so you know tip of the hat in saying all of that I would never buy Spotify just to listen to it never ever and occasionally I have I've listened to Joe Rogan's I've never been an avid listener like I've never waited for a Joe Rogan podcast to come out but like if I I'm, I might be thinking like oh I want to listen to you know some podcasts or something look up Joe Rogan and and scan through like the last month or so, something and see if they have spoken to anyone who's interesting and then I'll be like oh okay so I listen a very good Joe Rogan podcast listen to Chuck Palachuk is that how you say it? Palachuk? 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 The guy who wrote Fight Club. He's he's a really good interview. Because he's kind of this, um, you know, brooding author type who's very descriptive in the way he describes things. Like the death of his dad and, um, you know, people he worked with and stuff. So that's a good Joe Rogan podcast. So I'll, I would listen to that because it's not about Joe Rogan. It's about the fucking guest that he has on, right? So when you consider that reality that it's not about Joe Rogan, it's about the, the guest he has on, then what guest did he have on recently that everyone's really upset with? Could it be a guy who shares a last name as the mailman from Utah? Could it be that guy? Could it be that guy? What was his name? Malone? Carl Malone? The the mailman because he always delivers so he had this guy he had this guy on named Malone and since then since then science expert medical experts have been signing fucking petitions to get him banned off Spotify what the fuck was that what was this podcast it must be good <laughs> right it must be good So yeah, I'm I'm not definitely not anti Joe Rogan. I I have to admit though, I've got to be honest here. Never once seen one minute of Joe Rogan stand up. 
Never once. I haven't. I haven't. I've I've never seen Joe Rogan stand on a stage and do stand-up. I, I remember Joe Rogan from, was he in news radio? Because I remember watching that show because it had um, the late, great fucking Phil Hartman. Yeah. The day Phil Hartman was killed by his psychotic cunt wife and, you know, shot in the head with a shotgun or whatever it was in the car and then she shot herself. The day that happened, I went into school and I had a substitute history teacher at the time who was a fucking cool guy. Sure. We saw him at a... We snuck into a music festival that was over 18s and he was in there. He got us in. <laughs> he said, that's all right. Nah, they're cool. <laughs> and they let us in. This fucking substitute history teacher. The day that Phil Hartman died, I went into school the next day. I must have been a fucking kid. And I said, did you hear? And he said, yes, we should all be wearing black armbands today. So Joe Rogan was in that show, News Radio, uh, which also had a guy whose first name was David. I forget his last name, but he was addicted to caffeine. He was the fir- he was the world's first outed caffeine addict, and then a b- caffeine addiction became a quote unquote real problem. Believe it or not, because he used to drink like three jugs of coffee a day, and he did this tell-all interview for one of the women's magazines that they read in the hairdressing parlors. And I said, oh, my God, caffeine addiction. And once there was caffeine addiction, once caffeine addiction became a legitimized addiction, then everything else became an addiction after that. Gambling addiction, sex addiction, whatever it was, right? But that was the catalyst. And Joe Rogan plays a part in that because he was on the show with Dave, who was the caffeine-addicted actor, who came... Dave Foley, Jim Enward. Jim Enward. Well done. Dave Foley in my chat. Very good little pick up there. You win a frozen chook tonight, Jim. Congratulations. Barbecue it. Be delicious. Dave Foley. So he came out and, and said he had a caffeine addiction. And of course, after that, everything was an addiction. Which, when it comes to a, a, addiction, I've got to be honest here. Um, look, I have my vices just as much as anyone else does. And I'm not begrudging anyone uh, a vice. Of course, I... You know, I'm not virtuous of any stretch of the imagination, but I do tend to side with, like, say, the Peter Hitchens view of addiction, which is there is no such thing as addiction. It's just willpower. It is. I'm sorry. And so I admit I have very weak willpower in certain areas. I have very strong willpower in other areas. Don't get me wrong, right? But in in some, you know, your vices, that's a that's an area of weak willpower. That, that's yours to own. All this shitty, like, addiction is a disease, it's a mental disorder. Those are excuses you tell yourself. You can't take a medicine to stop being addicted to something. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because then you're addicted to the medicine. (laughs) So understanding, then addressing. Now, obviously, the quicker you make peace with your addictions, the better off you'll be. I made peace with mine a long time ago, and they're probably never going to change. I'm probably never going to stop smoking completely. I'll probably end up like Doc Holliday, coughing up blood and saying, hand me a cigarette because it keeps the blood down. (laughs) Because I know deep down that I'm probably, I don't have the willpower to stop wanting a cigarette when I want one. I can smoke a lot less. I smoke a lot less than I used to, but I'm still going to want one every now and then because it's just the way it is, right? 
but then other things you're like, well, I can go without that. No problem. You know, like if someone said, you've got to stop having exercise, for example, I would go, yeah, I can manage. <laughs> like I could do with that sacrifice. Anyway, let's get back to Neil Young and uh, ver- Neil Young versus Joe Rogan here. It is only a matter of time, isn't it, until Joe Rogan gets cancelled, isn't it? Let's be honest here. Press one in the chat if you think Joe Rogan is going to be cancelled within the next six months. Press two in the chat if you think Joe Rogan will never be cancelled. I think it's only a matter of time. They're building for it. They're building up for it. And they never not take their trophy. They never not take their head and hang it to the wall. Alex Jones is on the wall and they're going to put Joe Rogan right fucking next to him. Another trophy buck to hang on the wall. I think it's coming. And again, I'd, it doesn't mean I don't think he might he might be a sympathizer or whatever. I don't think that much about Joe Rogan. I don't. I just wait until he has a guest on that I want to hear and then I listen to that. <laughs> then I turn it off again. It's entertainment. It's twos. Twos in the chat. Daryl says, no, they'll need him just like Alex. He's a target now. Yeah. That's what I tend to think. I tend to think this is they because these people won't stop. They're hyenas. They won't stop picking the fucking sinew and flesh out of the middle of every rib bone that they can come across on the fucking field of death that once was podcasting and social media and comedy. They won't stop. They won't stop until every last morsel has been fucking consumed. And right now, Joe Rogan is the writhing half-dead corpse on the field and they're all kind of circling and sniffing around and he's bleeding out but they will chew his ankles off they will chew you know the tendons out of the back of his kneecap because they're starving and you know venomous and zombie-like and they can't they can't satisfy the hunger and once they're done with him and they, you know, they're picking their teeth with the bones after the meal, then they'll move on to the next kind of writhing corpse that they come across. And the next one, and the next one. And then they'll start feeding on themselves. <laughs> that's all they have. God bless them. They are predictable. Last year, Spotify purchased his podcast library for an estimated $100 million. Dr. Murthy, what do you think are the best ways to push back on misinformation about COVID that continues to be aggressively pushed, whether it be Joe Rogan's podcast or all over Facebook? potentially the most loaded question I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that That's right up there with The Simpsons. Remember that classic scene from The Simpsons episode where Sideshow Bob is running for mayor against Mayor Quimby? And the question goes to Sideshow Bob, and he's like, Sideshow Bob, Councilman Les Winan says you haven't done enough to whatever. And he's like, well, Bob, I think Councilman Les Winan ought to do more thinking and less whining. And everyone laughs. laughs. And then they turn to Mayor Quimby, and they're like, 
Mayor, you've been against uh, harsh penalties for criminals, but what would it? What if it was your family that was tied up in the basement? Your family that was bound by the hands and their feet with gags in their mouths. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> so here we are. Have a listen to this for a question. This is not a question. This is a poem. This is something that you should hear read out in an abandoned fucking warehouse at a dock in Boston at two in the morning. Holy sh- it's a monologue with a question mark at the end of it. It's for treated COVID-19. God, I keep, I keep scanning back. It starts, it starts right from the beginning. This question goes for like 40 seconds. <laughs> Strap in. Rogan, who hosts the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, has frequently promoted unproven methods for treating COVID-19 and downplayed the need for vaccines. Last year, Spotify purchased his podcast library for an estimated $100 million. Here's, here's my other point, too. If you're somebody who says Joe Rogan's a fucking idiot... <laughs> Joe Rogan's a fucking idiot because he doesn't support my team ideology enough. Oh, really? Where's your $100 million Spotify deal, Freddy? I don't see your $100 million Spotify deal. He's a fucking idiot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think he knows what he's doing. He plays a role which is to be as impartial as he can possibly manage for as long as he can possibly do it in order to get as many as people to listen as he could possibly can in order to get the $100 million podcast deal. And you think he's the fucking idiot. All right. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Good take. You really nailed it. Eh? <laughs> I mean, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> I think he's very good at what he does. But again, I'm not an I'm not an avid lover nor hater listener. I'm not. I reckon I listen to maybe two or three Rogan podcasts a year, if that. And it's because it's someone I want to listen to, not because it's the Joe Rogan podcast. Sue me. Dr. Murthy, what do you think are the best ways to push back on misinformation about COVID that continues to be aggressively pushed, whether it be Joe Rogan's podcast or all (laughs) over Facebook? All over Facebook. Why do they hate Zuckerberg so much now? Someone tried to send me something the other day that said Zuckerberg was in cahoots with Trump and I laughed myself to sleep, literally. Wait, wait, you think Zuckerberg is on Team Trump? Because <laughs> they sent some article that was like, oh, Zuckerberg was working with secret deals with Donald Trump. I'm like, wait, so you think the guy that was banned off every major platform on the internet is actually working for them? (laughs) Okay. Wow. That is conspiracy. That is conspiracy 101. That is the 2022 version of Alien Autopsy you're dealing with there. I mean, it's ridiculous. But people believe it. So I don't know where this came from, but for some reason, the corporate mainstream media is now 
very much in the in you know they're in the school of thought that Donald Trump is being helped by Facebook. Helped, like Facebook is Team Trump. There really are stupid people out. Most people are stupid, ladies and gentlemen. Most people they believe these things because because Mika Brzezinski says it to be true, and they've got Dr. Sanjay Gupta here. Why, why are they asking the medical expert about his opinion on Joe Rogan? That should be your first question you ask. Doesn't matter if you like Joe Rogan or hate Joe Rogan. If you think Joe Rogan is spreading misinformation, okay, fair enough. But please uh, answer. Why is the medical expert answering questions about Joe Rogan? Why would you feel you need to do that? They have people fully vaccinated, 210 and a half million, rounding up. You're winning. What's the problem here? Don't you see why that's a little suspicious? Don't you see? Can't you see? Of course you can't. Well, Mika, it's such an important question because we can have the best science available, we can have the best public health expertise available, but it won't help people if they don't have access to accurate information. You know, something I've always believed as a doctor is that people have the right to make their own decisions, but they also have the right to have accurate information to make that the decision with. I know when it comes to how we root out the misinformation in society right now, got to root it out. Got to root that shit out, don't you? <laughs> How do we root out misinformation? You know, because rooting out is what? Proactive. There is a reason that people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on learning f- which phrases resonate with people. They learn these things which, through something which is called focus groups. I'm sure you're aware of this. You focus group a term and you figure out, does it resonate with people? And does it resonate in a way that we want them to react in? Yes or no? Rooting out is one of those terms because it it creates imagery, whether we like it or not. Rooting out gives us the idea that somebody is cleaning house. Cleaning house is another one, (laughs) right? Rooting out, cleaning house... It gives the sense of everything's going to be fresh and new and shiny tomorrow and we can start again, which of course is a lie. Because there is no rooting out. There are people in jobs and people who have been in jobs for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Sometimes they're senators even. There is no rooting out. Their statements and rhetoric, nobody really changes. No one ever really clears out a place. They don't. Attitudes remain, ideas remain, loyalties remain. Everything remains. The person who's been running the department for the last 30 years has been, you know, like a like a king in the dark ages, has been preparing their heir to replace them when the time is right. As I'm sure Baron Trump will run for president one day himself. 
all of them do it. Now, and give people access to actual inf accurate information, we've got to do several things. Number one, we've got to recognize that our technology platforms, whether particularly social media, these have an important role to play. These are the predominant places where we're seeing misinformation spread. you like to hear it again nothing is wrong, nothing is wrong. <laughs> yes ladies and gentlemen nothing is wrong everything is fine remember when you were upset last year about you know various people in the media what well, pardon me various people in government so this is dr vivek murthy he is the U.S. Surgeon General. I ask you, as a you know point of point of privilege, why is the U.S. Surgeon General talking about which podcast you should listen to? Why is he doing that? Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. What if your GP started tapping you? What if your GP, right, your family GP that you go to when your kid has a sore throat or a cold or a cough or you have a sore ankle or something, right? You go to that GP, hey, give me the medicine, give me the bandage, whatever, and I'll be on my way. Thank you very much. What if that GP started calling you up in the middle of the night? What if that GP called you up and said, look, Boogs, I do, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Have you been listening to the Joe Rogan podcast? Right? Look, as your family medical professional, as your trusted physician, I'm telling you that I don't want you listening to that podcast. What would you say? What would you say? There is... There is a tendency within these people to be like the daddy of society, the mummy of society, because all of their censorious behavior and all of their tendencies towards, we need to get rid of this. We need to ban that. We need to censor this. We need to monitor that. It all comes from a place in their perspective of nurturing and protection. That's where it starts from them, because for them, their mentality is, you know, you might think that when you look at their behavior that they're doing it because they want to control you and they're tyrants and stuff. But most of the people who go along with it, the people at the top might be that, don't get me wrong, but most of the people who go along with it, for them it comes from a place of, from their perspective, it's like, oh, they're being humane, right? I'm being nice. I don't want people to die. I, I want what's best for everyone. That's the way they think. That's the way they look at this. And when, and when people who have that perspective get into a place of power, rightly or wrongly, it manifests itself as I'm society's daddy and I don't want anything bad to happen to you. For them, it comes across as they're shielding us, they're protecting us, 
We're too stupid to know for ourselves. We're too young and innocent to figure out for ourselves what's information and what's misinformation. I don't know. It's so confusing out there for the children. Right? They think they're saving you. And once you figure that out, it becomes very easy to manipulate. (laughs) Once you figure that out, you'll actually have a lot of fun manipulating. Surgeon General talking about why Joe Rogan should be banned from Spotify, perhaps. To make that de- the decision with. I know when it comes to how we root out the misinformation root in society out. right now uh, and give people access to actual inf- accurate information, we've got to do several things. Number one, we've got to recognize that our technology platforms, whether particularly social media, these have a, an important role to play. These are the predominant places where we're seeing misinformation spread. Uh, these platforms have still not stepped up to do uh, the right thing and do Step up and do the right thing. How long did it take for banning people from the internet to become the right thing to do? When did that happen? Because I'm of the age which is from the, what's quote unquote referred to as the micro generation, right? So there's a generation in between X and Y. I don't make the rules. This is what they say, okay? And I am part of that generation in between X and Y, as are a lot of the people that you listen to if you listen to this. You know, like uh, JJ, Royce and Mersh, um, I'm sure AP as well, probably. A whole bunch of people. We're like, we're all roughly around the same age. So, um, you know, Foggy, uh, One Step's probably around the same age. Mob Tech might be around the same age. I don't know your particular ages, but you're probably all in that in that ballpark, right? And it's the ballpark, it's the generation that had a childhood that contained both pre-internet and post-internet, right? So you were in your childhood for like this kind of six to seven year period where the world transitioned from internet to internet. 32, you're a bit young, you know, you might be on the cusp, but if you're 32, I think you're a Gen Y. So I'm seven years older than you. So I think that might be a little too long, right? Because I I have memories of both. I remember when I was a kid, like, you know, riding around on my bicycle, there was no, I remember, there was no internet. You'd ride around until the streetlights came on. Uh, we figured out that if we kicked the streetlight a certain way, it would short out the fuse so the streetlights would go out. <laughs> so there was teams of, um, you know, city workers that were coming to our streets like at least once a month to repair the streetlights because we kept kicking them out. 
because the little electrical box was right there. So you could just, if you kicked it hard enough, you could turn the street light off permanently. So all the streets, all the lights in our street would be off all the time because the rule was you have to come home when the street lights go on. <laughs> right? Things you did when you were a kid. But then I remember also having a dial-up modem in my bedroom when I was like 15, when I was pretty new. When you used to have to, you know, you had 25 kilobits per second. I remember playing Duke Nukem 3D with my friend from primary school. So that would have been, we would have been 11 years old when we did that. Duke Nukem 3D over the internet and Doom, the first Doom over the internet, where you had to connect, literally connect to the other computer. They had to give you a, like a little code or whatever and you called into their computer. <laughs> my childhood my childhood was a 16 year old waiting patiently 5 to 10 to 15 minutes for a nude photo to load so I could masturbate <laughs> you kids these days you get them hand delivered to your phone back then you had to be patient <laughs> and you didn't load a video you didn't load you couldn't just load a video to uh, masturbate to on the internet no 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 you had to download that you had to get that shit off pirate bay and you had to download it for like 16 hours <laughs> nobody ca nobody cared that much it's like look i'll just take the 10 minutes to download this still photograph <laughs> One line at a time. What? Imagine if every time you wanted to Google something, my younger listeners, if you had to listen to that. That's what we put up with. That was our internet. Every time we Googled something, every time we felt like we wanted to know the answer to something, we'd have to listen to that and then wait 10 minutes <laughs> for the shit to load. Wasn't it fun? All right, let's carry on. This is vital information. Hey, the US Surgeon General is being asked on corporate mainstream media what his opinion of a podcast host is at the same time that they're trying to tell you that this is a fringe thing. <laughs> Embrace these moments. Embrace the moments where they dedicate so much attention. Purely because this guy has said, what did this guy actually say? What did he actually say? I think he said something like, my doctor gave me medicine and I was okay. <laughs> That's what he said. 
Now he's had people on who said things. I'm sure I haven't. I haven't even listened to the Dr. Malone interview. I don't care as much as you do. What did Malone say? He said stuff about you know uh, the the mRNA. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure it was powerful. I'm not interested. Genuinely. I'm beyond that. I I told you my spirit has been broken a long time ago. I don't care anymore. I'm just here to. I'm just here for the lols, man. So so Joe Rogan versus Neil Young. Who gives a fuck about Neil Young? Does anyone press one in the chat if you give a fuck about Neil Young? Press two in the chat if you do not give a fuck about Neil Young. I don't give a fuck about Neil Young. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I thought he was already dead, honestly. <laughs> I did. Gives a fuck about Neil Young. I mean, it's 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 almost like it's almost like the corporate mainstream media is they're trying to Neil Young, some kind of hero. Karen, Karen sent me flash with the diamond. Holy shit, three-hour show. We, we, we might go overtime, proper overtime tonight. I feel like I'm just getting warmed up here. It's my Saturday. I've got nothing. I've got no chores. I've got nothing to do. My work's good. I'm, I'm on top of work. I'm feeling good. We might just keep this fucking thing going. What do you say? Why not? What else am I going to do? Even more OT. We, we might go another hour OT. What do you think about that, my man? You know what? Let's go another hour OT. We'll come back to this. We're not finished. We're not finished with Joe Rogan yet. <laughs> we're not done yet. Because I've still got a couple of stories I want to get to. So, tell you what, if you stick around. We'll take one more very short break because I do have to refresh my beverage. And when we'll return, we'll go again. What do you say? Stick around. Friday night edition, Daily Boogie Podcast. Happy Hanukkah, my nigga. Hey. Oh, I was just about to go. Just about to go. James Campisi. Let's go. Sco! I will sco. I'll sco, but I'll come right back. What do you think? All right, stick around. Thank you for the tip, sir. Boogie Bumper is a kangaroo boxing boomerang chucker that eats crackers in bed. It's a place that we can go to watch your things.
Hello, my name is Frozen Asian. I'm the host of the Sunday Night Shit Show. So according to a certain Virginia stoner, my last promo was a bit too long, so I'm going to try to cut this down to 30 seconds. Uh, here's what you can expect on the Sunday Night Shit Show. <laughs> Check us out on Sundays, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on dlive.tv slash Sunday Night Shit Show. See you then. Bye. What would you say you do here? Some people, I remember when I was young and I worked in a warehouse and I was in my early, I was about, how old was I? I was about 20, 21. And I worked in a warehouse. I'm, guys, I'm about, I'm about, I'm about to chew gum. <laughs> you fucking merit. Um, so, so, <laughs> so, um, I forgot what I was fucking saying, you fucking dick. Oh, you fucking Can you please, for the love of fucking God, unfuck yourself and just start doing shows? For this Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. This world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. Coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Double overtime tonight here on the program because why the fuck not? I'm in that kind of a mood. Thank you for sticking around with us if you did. If you like Jim Enward and you got out of here, Jim Enward said, I got a jet. I'll catch you last hour on the podcast. This is for you, Jim. Fuck you, Jim. One step too far, the crazy cunt on YouTube has mentioned me in something else. And I really dislike being mentioned in things. <laughs> but we'll play it anyway, because you know what? He's a weird troll who has a very nice bridge, so we should do our best. Let's have a look what he's got for us. Why not? I'm having fun. Thanks for hanging out tonight, by the way. Mob Tech in the chat. Fellow Aussie, bro. I think Mobtech, you're from uh, Canberra, are you not, sir? I love Canberra. Canberra's a good town. Look, to be honest, I only really go to Canberra when there's a Giants game on there and we're like, you know what? Why don't we stay the night? Yeah, good idea. Everything's nice and clean, I guess. You know. Canberra is pretty chill compared to Sydney. Right? Sydney's way more... Sydney's... Up, lad, 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 up. No, ACT. <laughs> Just trying to figure that out. Thought you were being bombing. No. ACT, yeah. So maybe not. Maybe Fishwick. Maybe a Fishwick boy. Maybe a Fishwick boy. 
or a Bradman guy. Is it Bradman? What was the name of that place where the car yards are? It's not my town, man. Sydney is an uber shithole. Yes, but it's my uber shithole, Mob Tech. And I'll let, you know, I'll have you know that Sydney is not, there is no such thing as Sydney. There are only different kinds of Sydney. There are only different types of Sydney. So I'm Western Sydney. You know, obviously Western Sydney hates Eastern suburbs. Eastern suburbs hate Northern suburbs. You know, Southern Sydney hates everyone else. Everyone hates the Shire. Braddon, that's the one. Thank you very much, sir. Braddon, nothing but... I went to Braddon once. Myself and a few boys went out in Braddon one night. There's nothing but strip clubs and car yards in Braddon. <laughs> it's a weird little place. It's like an industrial place and there's a couple of bikey run strip clubs there. <laughs> he lived in Sydney three times. Inner West, there you go. So you know what I'm talking about. Sydney is a bunch of cities kind of shoved together. It's not a city. Sydney is not a city. It's not. It's a bunch of little cities that kept growing and growing and growing until they all became one. Hence the diversity here. I used to work um, frequently in like basically what's like Little Korea in Sydney, which is a suburb called Eastwood. Now, Eastwood never used to be Little Korea. Eastwood used to be like the rich kind of retiree area in the 1960s and the 70s, right? So Eastwood is this funny place because it's very close to the university, which is on, you know, Ride Road or, you know, this one one road in Sydney has like 10 different names. It's Ride Road or Monavale Road or it's the number three, we call it, right? So it's on the number three, uh, this little kind of community, Eastwood. It's actually uh, part of John Howard, the former Prime Minister, part of his electorate, right? Um, so the university, so there's a lot of university students and there's a lot of like old money in the area, right? So there's like a, a lot of old big block homes, like suburban homes, two-story homes that were built like in the 1940s and stuff. And they're, they're rich looking homes, right? And then when you get into like the town center of Eastwood, it's basically Little Korea. It's it's a wild place. And I worked around Little Korea Eastwood for a long time. And I remember taking my then girlfriend, now wife, okay? And I said to get this is a fucking true story, hand on heart, right? I said I said to my then girlfriend, now wife, look, I work in this place, um, Eastwood, which is like Little Korea. Why don't I take you out for lunch? And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm going to impress this chick because I'm going to take her out for lunch in this exotic place. And we walked into, I, I think I took her to like five or six Korean restaurants. <laughs> and of course, they don't speak English in those places, right? You just, that's why they have numbers on the menu. So you can just point and say a number. So I'm like, look at the menu. It's not in English, but you can see a picture. <laughs> She's like, what? And I'm like, well, okay, look, obviously the first one's going to be beef, then the next one's going to be chicken, and then the next one's going to be fish, right? Because of the numbers. And she's like, what? And I'm like, look, just see what you like. And I reckon we walked into like four or five different Korean places. And every time we walked into one, the two of us walking in there, it was like walking into a saloon in an old Western. You walk in and everyone stops it. Like there might be music playing and they're like drinking and like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're having a good time. And you walk in and it's like, 
And a little waitress would come up to us and say, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? It's nine in the city. And I'd say like, oh, give me a 12 and a 15. And my wife, my then girlfriend, now wife, just looking at me in total fear. It was the cutest thing you've ever seen. You're like, pure fear. <laughs> Not even now. No idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I just want to get out of here. So little, little Korea, Eastwood, ladies and gentlemen. I forget even why we were talking about Eastwood. Completely forget. All right. This is one step too far. Very loud. One step too far. Is this one step too far? No, this is something else. Okay. Warning. I chain smoke and I say fuck a lot. Okay. But I accept myself for the way I am. I accept you too. Viewer discretion advised. Okay. Bounty's talked about developing a universal flu vaccine. For at least a little over a decade. Okay. Now, I'm afraid. Okay, look. Is this you one step too far? Boogie, my brother went to college in Wollongong, close to you. No, it's about an hour and a half away, but um, that's where Greeno lives, around there. Not in Wollongong, but close to it. I'm a Greek god. You're a Greek Adonis, mate. You're a Greek god, mate. Have you ever heard Guido Hatchish, my friend? I'm going to show you some Guido Hatchish. Because one step too far is a Greek guy, apparently. So let's do some Guido Hatsis. Why not? Mob Tech knows what Guido Hatsis is. Foggy knows what Guido Hatsis is. Not many other people understand what Guido Hatches is, my friend. Hello? Yeah, mate, uh, you put the air in the paper for the plumber? Yeah, that's right. Mate, uh, I will take the job, all right? Yeah. Now, we need to talk about the money, all right? Matter how much you prepared to pay me? Guido Hattis is a fake character that a host of a late night radio show here in Sydney, Triple M, like so one of the stations here in Sydney, FM stations, Triple M. They're like rock and rock and roll, ACDC, fuck yeah, bro, fucking oath, mate, fuck yeah, footy fans, fucking rugby league, fucking yeah, fucking oath cunt. It's that kind of a station, Triple M. Fucking let's talk about sport and rock and roll and barbecues. How much do we love it, boys? Triple M, 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 M. It's that kind of station. Classic rock and roll. So there used to be a show on Triple M that started at 10 o'clock at night called The Late Late Breakfast Show. And it was hosted by, yes, Osterio, motherfucker. It was hosted by Julian Schiller and Tony Moclair. <laughs> right. And they had this character named Guido Hatsis, who was a Greek guy who would do prank phone calls. Right? And he was like, he was like this Adonis, like he was fucking so confident and full of himself. And he would call up, like you know, he would call up restaurants and say, "No, listen, you listen to me, my friend." And it's a, it's a very Australian uh, stereotype, like our relationship to what we would call the Wogs. The wogs, you know, the people of 
say Italian, Greek descent, Maltese descent. They're all kind of lumped into what Australian, white Anglo-Saxon Australians refer to as wogs. <laughs> okay. And they refer to themselves as, uh, as wogs too, because there was a very famous show here called Wog Boy, <laughs> which was a story of a Greek boy from some Greek island. So that's our relationship to the ethnics here in Australia and their relationship to us. So, of course, uh, being the Greek Adonis that he is and, uh, and the wog that he is, he would call up, you know, businesses like, you listen to me, my friend, okay? My uncle was very fucking successful when it comes to plumbing, my mate. He taught me everything there is to know about plumbing, my man. You know, like very confident, self-assured, talk down to everyone. It's a very Australian stereotype. Mobtech, I never did cocaine on the main desk at Triple M at 2am. Nope, now we're talking. Mobtech, can I... And, you know, you don't have to say anything about this, and I don't know anything about you, but can I say my favourite uh, Triple M host back in the day was Marty Sheargold. He was my favourite. Very funny, man. Sarcastic. Uh, didn't take anything. To, a terrible friend, Marty Sheargold. Very funny guy. He was in a couple of uh, Martin Malloy movies back in the day as well. Very funny dude. Big fan, Marty Shubert. Back in the day with uh, Fifi Box, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Byron, I think, was the producer for that one. Byron. My wife later told me that Byron... My wife later told me that Byron followed Fifi from Triple M, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> Those guys were nuts in the late 80s. <laughs> Fifi box. Fantastic. All right. So, back to where we were. Uh, the Late Late Breakfast Show was a show that started at 10 o'clock at night on Triple M, ACDC, footy, fuck yeah, fucking hell, brother. It's good to be a tradie in fucking Sydney, fucking ACDC, Triple M, footy, mate. That was the station. 10 o'clock at night, The Late Late Breakfast Show, two nerds, Julian Schiller, Tony Moclair, two fucking uh, nerds who wear skivvies and, you know, denim vests kind of nerds. They had this character, which was an alpha male named Guido Hatzis, who was a Greek guy who would just prank call people. There you go. Hello? Yeah, mate, uh, you put the ad in the paper for the plumber? Yeah, that's right. Mate, uh, I will take the job, all right? I will take the job, mate. (laughs) Now, we need to talk about the money, all right? The money. Mate, uh, how much are you prepared to pay me? How much are you prepared to pay me? Depends how good you are. Mate, I'm the best, all right? Best. I learned from my uncle. You listen to me? Yeah. Man, my uncle was a plumber, right? You remember the investigators? The investigators. Yep. Man, he was on that all the time, mate, right? The investigators was a show that was like undercover um, looking for people who were ripping customers off. <laughs> the investigators would go, what's that show where the guys like find a pedophile or whatever it is, the hunter pedophile? What's, what, what's that guy's name? He had that thing with, I, I don't know these fucking YouTube personalities. Other people talk about the YouTube dramas. I don't know, man. I'm not interested in that. But I do know that they are stories. What's the name of that fucking weird guy? The weird guy who got caught out by Poseidon. Was it Poseidon? The Poseidon issue? Like, is Poseidon a fed? The fucking host of that show. God, my memory sucks. My memory is terrible. 
catch a to catch a pedo? Is that what it is? And it's got that guy who used to yes, Chris Hansen. Thank you. Fucking NNN. NNN wins the internet today for Chris fucking Hansen. That was driving me nuts, man. I couldn't remember. It's like I know his name, but I can't remember his name. Chris Hansen. No. Yeah, matter. Uh, you put the ad in the paper for the plumber. Yeah, that's right. Matter. Uh, I will take the job, all right? Now we need to talk about the money, money. all right? Matter, how much are you prepared to pay me? <laughs> oh, depends how good you are. Matter, I'm the best, all right? I learned from my uncle. You listen to me? Yeah. Matter, my uncle was a plumber, right? You remember the investigators? Yeah. Matter, he was on that all the time, matter, right? He would always say to me, listen. there is nothing that sticky tape cannot fix. <laughs> matter, he was the best, matter, right? He was the best, matter, right? I can't tell you how many times, yes, BE, the Earth Reporter, is in the chat. Guido, we're doing Guido. I can tell you that on at least 50 occasions, I have said to somebody at some point over the last 20 years, because remember that I was a kid when this was being played at 10 o'clock at night on the radio here. So this was kind of like our late night Howard Stern when I was 14, if that makes sense, right? You see what I'm saying? There was this, and there was The Rubber Room with Ratso Kennedy. That was another one on Triple M. Spoon Man was a little later. Spoon Man was when I was like 20 years old. That's when he was on Late Night. Paul Murray used to have a show on Triple M before he went all Sky News on us. <laughs> before he started taking the fucking Murdoch dick, <laughs> he was on Triple M. <laughs> Paul's all right. Paul's all right. He's all right. He means what he says, and that's the best you can hope for, I think. This was like our late night Howard Stern when I was 14, 15, thereabouts. Was hearing these two, these two country club Australian boys with names like Julian Schiller and Tony Moclair. The kind of guys who go to private schools having this, you know, pseudo alter, you know, alter character who was a Greek immigrant Adonis kickboxer. <laughs> it was just so arrogant. He would call up for jobs and tell the guy that he would listen to me, mate. You can keep your fucking job, mate, okay? It's up to me, my friend. The paper for the plumber? Yeah, that's right. Matter, I will take the job, all right? Yeah. Now we need to talk about the money, the money. all right? Matter, how much are you prepared to pay me? Oh, depends how good you are. Matter, I'm the best, all right? I learned from best. my uncle. You listen to me? Listen yeah. to me. Matter, my uncle was a plumber, right? You remember the investigators? Investigators. Yep. Matter, he was on that all the time, matter, right? He oh. would always say to me, there is nothing that sticky tape cannot fix. <laughs> matter, he was the best, matter, right? Yes. Matter, Sorry. Uh, Braddle's corrected me. But yeah, the Earth Reporter correctly in the chat because I was working towards that and then I got lost halfway there and I'm just relaxing today, man. I'm just doing a stream. I don't know. Just having fun tonight. <laughs> but the point I was going towards was how many times if you've heard Guido Hatzis before, which is BE, the Earth Reporter, Mob Tech, Foggy, other Aussies in the chat, how many times have you said to your friends, I will swift kick you in the eyebrow? <laughs> Because I've said it at least 50 times. A snap kick to the eyebrow. You listen. Hey, you listen to me. He was coming up to me, my friend. Okay, you listen to me. And I gave him a snap kick to the eyebrow. Snap kick to the eyebrow. 
That's the, <laughs> I reckon I've said that at least 50 times to each of my friends, at least. Such was the influence of this uh, bit on my formative years. Guido Hattis is a big part of my soul now. Because I was 13, 14, 15. Call- I tell you, I've. you want to talk about prank calls? Okay. I wasn't a big prank call guy. I wasn't. But I have done my share. And I think everyone has deep down, like, the best prank call they ever did. Like, you know the best one that you've ever done. And I know my best one. Would you like to know what my best one was? What I think my best one was. Okay. Because I'll tell you. I reckon I was like, I was staying at a mate's house. My mate, um, I will, I'll, I'll only give you his nickname. His nickname was Spaz. <laughs> we were like 13, 14. Spazza was his name. Everyone, everyone called him Spazza or Spaz. Right. So from that, you'll never be able to guess what his real name is. Trust me. But that's what everyone called. I think they even put it on the back of his footy jumper, Spazza. Right. And a fucking great guy, nice guy. Family. He's probably a family man now and living a happy life, and you know, very normal dude. He was a footy player back in the day. Right. So Spazza. <laughs> So I'm staying over at Spaz's house. I reckon we're 14. Um, We're high, 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 proper high. And earlier that night, we'd been eating at our friend's house, who's a Filipino, right? And if you've ever gone to like a Filipino family dinner, you'll know what I'm saying. And if you've never, prepare yourself. At a Filipino family dinner, they don't have knives and forks. They just have like a bowl of chicken and a bowl of rice and you get the rice out with your fingers and the chicken out with your fingers and then you eat it out of your hands. That's the way they do shit. That's how they roll. All right? So we're sitting there and we're like, fuck it. <laughs> Where's my plate? Where's my knife and fork? Are you boys hungry? No, not really. Okay. So we're in the lounge room while they're eating dinner because I'm like, I'm, I can't eat out of that bowl when they're just sticking their fingers in there. <laughs> Both of us, the two white Aussie kids. (laughs) Later on, little did we know, later on we would be like diving into that bowl with the rice and the chicken like it was nothing. But it just took a little while to get used to, honestly. So so we're sitting in the lounge room and it's like, okay, what are we going to do to pass the time? I know. We'll watch some news. And we're watching news and that night there was an earthquake near Japan that caused a little bit of a tidal wave for a couple of Japanese cities, Tokyo. So there was an earthquake in Japan. We're up at like 11 o'clock at night and we're watching the TV and we're watching like CNN and stuff because if you're a kid, you're like a 14-year-old kid, you've had a couple of joints or whatever, you're up late, you're eating snacks, you're watching TV. Here's this event. Earthquake in Japan very fucking serious it's it's on all the news channels so we we decided to call people randomly at two in the morning or whatever it was 11 o'clock at night it went for hours right 
calling local people in the city in like midnight. And so they would answer the phone very annoyed because obviously it was landlines back then. Do people even have landlines anymore? Once upon a time, you had a house phone number (laughs) and the house phone would ring and there was nothing you could do to stop it from ringing (laughs) except leave it off the hook. At which point someone would knock on your door to check on whether or not you were okay. They, they probably thought you were dead if you didn't answer the house phone. Right? So, we're up late, we're high, we're watching, we've, we've avoided dinner with the Filipino family because they're all eating with their fingers and we think it's hilarious. We're up late, later on that night we're starving, our mate's asleep, he, we wake him up, we bring him down, we're watching the news and there's an earthquake in Japan. So we start calling people in Sydney at one in the morning, two in the morning, and it rings for like 30 seconds because back then you had to wait for somebody to get up out of bed to walk to the kitchen to answer the phone because there were no mobile phones, right? So you got to wait like 30 seconds. And if it rings out the first time, ring back. You ring back. You make sure you get them to answer. You make sure you get them out of bed. Because an old-fashioned phone that hangs on the wall in the kitchen is so loud, it wakes the whole house up. So if you let it ring out for the first time, which is like 60 seconds, it's going to be like everyone's going to be awake by the end of the 60 seconds and they're going to be fucking super annoyed. But if somebody calls back the second time, you will always get them to pick up. Why? Because the other people in the family will be screaming out, Somebody answer the fucking phone! So somebody will feel the responsibility and they'll get up and answer it. And what they were being asked was a couple of 13 or 14 year old boys, however old we were, we were. It was it was like, hello? And I'd be like, hi, yes. Um, did you see the news? What? There's just been an earthquake in Japan. Um uh, Okay, what? Yep. Yeah look, there's just been an earthquake in Japan and I'm calling around to make sure everyone's okay. They were so angry. They were so angry. Hey, have you seen the news? (laughs) What? Turn the news on quickly. There's just been an earthquake in Japan. What? What? Yeah. I'm just calling around to make sure everyone's okay. So angry. And that entertain, I reckon that is the best prank call, like live prank call that I've been involved with, just because of how angry people got when you told them that. Because it wasn't a lie. (laughs) They hated us because we weren't lying to them. We were telling them the truth. There's just been an earthquake in Japan and we are calling to make sure you're okay. They hate us for it. All right. Uh, I had more to get through, but you know what? We're done. Let's get out of here. Thank you for joining us. Follow our friends. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. See you soon. Bye-bye.